0: Don't talk like one of them. You're not, even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak, like me. They need you right now, but when they don't, they'll cast you out like a leper. You see, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. Drop it the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Mm,
1: I think I've heard that before. You said "joke" in there, so gosh, I feel like I'm cheating. Is it the, is it a Joker quote from The Dark Knight?
0: That is the one, the one and only.
1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of the Average Joe's Movie Club Cast. This is Justin.
0: And I'm Joey.
1: And in this episode, we should have a pretty darn good time, because we're talking about our some of our favorite movies. And I can't wait to talk about one of my favorites, and why it's so special to me, and that would be Fight Club. And then, Joey's going to be talking about the hilarious breakup comedy, Forgetting Sarah Marshall.
0: And just a heads up, we do discuss these movies in full, so if you know you haven't seen any of these, and you don't want to be spoiled, please do skip ahead.
1: And if you'd like to be a part of the Movie Clubcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button, Uh, leave a comment on your favorite podcasting platform, wherever they may be, we're on the YouTube, we're on Buzzsprout, all over the place, Um, yeah, we love to hear from you. So Joey, how's it going?
0: It's going pretty well, man. Just trying to Oh man. Well might be an overstatement, but I'm trying to make it. Um working. Which my hours are still down. Um playing video games and watching movies. Uh, watch a little bit of TV and then of course everything that is going on in our country right now that is uh absolutely bonkers yeah um just just absurd um
1: you've been pretty active on social media about news lately huh yeah
0: yeah yeah i feel like that (sighs) Like i feel like everyone should be um if they're so inclined to um you know i you know there was a a protest in my town today, but I was working okay. and couldn't really go. Um, mm-hmm. That and honestly, having seen things from across the country where people were protesting peacefully and people were just fired on for no reason, or you know, all the the things you read of how the protesters were peaceful and then other people who want to make that cause look bad uh, showed up and started rioting and other mm. things, thus causing the cops to fire and other things of that nature. Um, didn't seem like a place, a place to be when, you know, even though my child doesn't live with me, I have a child and, you know, things of that nature. And I mean, I, I saw some of the, the wanton, the uh, I don't want maybe, but I, I saw some of the stuff that got hairy down in your city as well. Um,
1: yeah a lot of the looting. Weekend. there's been a lot of towns boarding up all their businesses man there's been a lot of craziness on both sides of the argument. I just hope that they can talk about it more peacefully moving forward but i don't know
0: i mean i I don't know if it's it's this it's a it's a hard thing to discuss um it needs to be discussed, but I mean, I think they tried peaceful. And it didn't work, and I don't. I don't know if that's gonna happen, especially once um, our fearless leader was like, "Yo, I'll call in the military." It's like that's. I don't think that was the right the right thing to say, but hmm. you know, um, you know, don't kill innocent people, and we want to have this problem. And, yeah, you know, that's fair. Pretty much.
1: Um, yeah. It, it's it's such a difficult topic because, I mean, just one, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous move on by someone's part can just, like, make a whole, like, movement erupt like that. And, I mean, it's obviously boiling. Um, and this isn't a political podcast by any means, but, yeah, this is what's relevant in the news. So it's, it's worth, uh, you know, talking about. I don't have the answers for sure. I can only be an observer. Um, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it, like, you know, I say I'm well, because, you know, yeah, me personally, I'm not sick, or I'm not, you know, dying or anything, and, you know, I can go to work, and I can, you know, when I'm working or whatever, but I don't have to worry about getting pulled over by a police officer and being shot, or any of those things that, uh, black people have to worry about you know so i just live my life the way i've lived my life my whole life because even though i'm not rich and you know i've struggled here and there i've never struggled like that i've never had to worry about any anything of that nature so yeah i'm well but seeing the things that i've seen on the news and all across the country cops Mm -hmm. firing on people standing on their porches and shit you know like it pisses me off so you know, didn't mean to necessarily go into this diatribe, but it is like you said what's going on around around the country right now and it's
1: it's and, and so much I mean, different now with social media. I mean you can like definitely like tailor the message and like you know put it front and center there on Twitter where, you know, someone did something ridiculous in a protest and it becomes, you know, like the main Feature where you know the may, I mean the main story there is getting attention for a cause, but then you know the violence erupts and that becomes the story. So that's unfortunate, um you know, hate on top of hate.
0: Yeah, and it's just and it's and it's one of those things you know you, know, you always hear oh, everything's going to get worse before it gets better, and it, it it probably will. But I mean, look at like you know the history of this country, and you know like like the revolution started in riots after the Boston massacre and Boston tea party. And then, you know, we had, you know, there's the riots in Stonewall for, for the LT, you know, for, for the LGBTQ and all of their stuff um, for mm-hmm. them to get their civil rights. And then after Martin Luther King was assassinated, there was riots for like 10 days and that's when the civil rights act was passed. So it's like riots generally achieve, change you know not saying kill people and you know i think definitely you know don't (sighs) you know don't say you know maybe it's hard to say don't you know advocate burning stuff down but clearly that's what the government apparently listens to so i get when these people are out there doing that stuff like Mm -hmm. protesting peacefully like they you people have tried kneeling people have tried Wearing stuff on shirts, people have tried making signs. It doesn't work, so was left to do, but not be peaceful. So, hmm. and I guess on on that note, maybe we should go to something more and what we're here for. I guess.
1: <laughs> uh, wow. Unless you have um,
0: something else to say, I don't mean to cut to cut you off, friend.
1: Um, I mean, I had. It was kind of interesting because, um, I'll get into it in a little bit with one of my movies that I watched, um, some of the parallels, um, from that movie had to what we're dealing with now and that it wasn't even racial related. It was more of, um, you know, just power struggles in our country. Um, you know, you it know makes you think about, uh, Spike Lee's do the right thing and the very, very, um, you know, controversial. I mean, most white people say it's very controversial. You hear black people, um, normally say that it was totally justified you've seen the film right
0: no i have not actually that's in my um like it's it's definitely one that i want to watch but i haven't seen a lot of his movies actually and i it's i need to he's actually one of the directors i'm very interested in watching more of his movies
1: okay yeah you probably might have seen a lot of people on letterboxd watching that lately because uh what happens at the end of that movie is very reminiscent of our times right now so um I saw it back in high school, so I'm very curious to see what my perspective on it now. Um, God, it's just, it's it's so difficult. I don't want to ever advocate for, you know, you know, public destruction, but, you know, you don't want to see people be, you know, killed unjustified, too. It's, it's, I don't, I, it's hard to talk about, for sure.
0: I mean, I'll take public destruction over people dying, like, like the CEO of target said, they can, they can put that stuff back in that building. You know, I hate when, you know, you, you see people riding and they're destroying local businesses. But as we've seen, there's people out there who are just trying to un, undo this movement at, at the, at the source. And I feel like a lot of the local businesses are, aren't the people who are like doing the peaceful protest and, and that kind of stuff. It's just, it's so hard because it's so, it's so easy to click on something and you see something and, you know, if someone's, they haven't shared it, they've copied and pasted it and, and then you don't know if that's actually a legitimate thing or and it's, and there's so much going around. There's, there's so, there's so easy to get news and stuff and information yeah. and then there's so much and it just overloads you. And it, it's, it's a lot. And there's just, it's a crazy time. That's nothing I never, never thought I would see. And i like, in my time period in my life would be like cops in military great equipment, riding down suburban neighborhoods and shooting at people on their porches for being on their porches. And it's like, this is, this
1: is crazy. Hmm. Um, yeah, I used to work in the news for several, several years. And since I got out, I've actually been quite detached from, um, you know, what happens. Cause it seems like this never ending cycle where, you know, just the same stuff kind of happens and nothing gets better and that's why i'm I've, I've i've kind of become an ostrich and just kind of put my head in the hole about the whole thing. So um, you know, i appreciate that you're you're very um connected with it. Um recently i've been talking to family members who are, you know, much more into the news and they're like, "Oh, haven't you heard about this and that?" and you know, i'll scroll through twitter and i'll see a lot of the madness going on out there. Um, you know, i just at the end of the day, i just I just want, you know, people to be able to to live equal and equally in this country without um you know, those that those fears you were talking about earlier. I don't know how, I don't know what the answer could possibly be, but hopefully there is one. Yeah, because, I mean,
0: I think for children now in school, like the way that they're taught things is a lot differently. But, you I mean, you're the same age and you're taught up, you know, you're brought up thinking that America is this, this great country of freedom and opportunity and equality. And it's all of these things, if you're white, but, you know, it's not for a lot of other people. And, you know, I had a lot of...
1: Well, I mean, people- it's come in phases, too. I mean, we watched a movie back when with the um, well, gangs of New York where they were discrimin- discriminating against the Irish. I don't think necessarily in a lot of time. I think it's more of the... An oppressed person can be of any race or gender or creed or whatever. It's just whenever the... However, the the power dynamic falls, and that's who ends up at the bottom of the totem pole. And unfortunately, yeah, it's it's how it is now.
0: So, oh yeah. Well, I mean, not, I, think... I mean, not
1: to discredit any uh, current struggles, um, but I like I'll get into it a little bit le- later with one of the films I saw where you see almost the exact same thing, but it and it's a very different instance, but it, it happens to be the exact same thing. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like it is. <sighs> So, like, when me and one of my friends were kind of talking about it, so, like, uh, this country is a melting pot, so we have all these different nationalities and, and different things. But, you know, like, so back in the back in the day when Europe was colonizing the whole world, you know, they went through and colonized Africa and, you know, France, England, everywhere, they just split it up and they just carved it up and they put, you know, they didn't care about tribes and where tribes lived and different things. And so you, you have these countries now. That's why there's so many civil wars because you have half of one tribe in a country and half in another and one tribe asserts power and they're they dominate because this the other tribe that they hate that they normally would never need to be in power over but now they're in power over them and they yeah. just and, and you know you come to america and it's like all right well you have like you know all like every ethnicity represented here because everybody tried to escape back in the day and come here And now it's, yeah, and it's just a melting pot, and it's, it's led to some, some really bad problems. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good things here, obviously, but there's also just a lot of really bad things, and it's boiled over, and, uh, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot. But uh, anyway, I think.
1: I think it'd be appropriate. Could you, uh, anything else going on in your life on a, a lighter note?
0: Um. I don't think so, really, man. Just, uh, <laughs> just, just playing, just playing video games and, and watching a couple movies and. Yeah. I mean, that's really the last few days. I think mean, that's really been, that's really been it, because it's been everywhere. Like you can't really escape it. Um. So, um. Gotcha. M- yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to think if there's something that I've missed that's just kind of gotten lost and.
1: Well, you've watched some um, comedies lately. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched like three light in the mood.
0: Yeah, I watched like three comedies last night, which one of which is uh, was for today. Um, and, I mean, I did I did binge the whole most recent season of Riverdale. Um, what's that? What's that, what that it, about? Oh, you, you remember like Archie and Betty and Veronica, like the the old Archie comics.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like uh dark dark archie. Um it's it is like the how can I put this? Um like most people would probably say especially if they're a guy that it's a guilty pleasure but I I don't have guilty pleasures. I will openly admit that I like what I like. Um but it's like a teen teen drama that's super dark um you know like Betty and Jughead and Betty and then Betty and Veronica are like, they like to investigate stuff and like they're all got all their teenage trauma. It is just, I don't want to say it's like trash, but it's like the trashiest thing you can watch and I love it, but Mm -hmm. it's actually written pretty well. It has a lot of the same writers as um, the new Sabrina show that's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're in like the same universe, like, Greendale which is where Sabrina is set is like the neighboring town to Riverdale and so they have even though they haven't crossed over like Greendale is mentioned in Riverdale sometimes they'll go to Greendale and people in Greendale will go to Riverdale like their two high schools are rivals they just haven't like the characters themselves have never like interacted Um, which is actually how I came across Riverdale I, I knew about it but like I watched the first season of Sabrina and then Someone was like, oh, well, the same people wrote Riverdale, and then,
1: yeah, so. All right. Um, yeah, so, yes, mostly I'll just talk about movie watching. Um, I had gotten really behind on reviews. I think I was like five or six behind, and so um, kind of what I did to catch up was I took on this uh, three-and-a-half-hour epic um, called The Immigrants, and I've been wanting to watch this for a while. And essentially, it's about these Swedish farmers who, um, you know, just through a a string of unfortunate events um, in Sweden, decide to immigrate to America. Uh, Three and a half. Very methodical, but very um, character-building epic. So I watched that for a couple days. So that helped me catch up. And then I found – I actually – so I spent all this time, you know, writing reviews a lot of times. I post one a day usually. And I was like, gosh, I gotta, I gotta find a way to kind of make this process easier for me. So I actually pull, I turned to YouTube, and um, it's like proofreading tips. And something interesting that popped up in there was this, this website called Natural Reader. And so what you do is you upload your text in a Natural Reader, and like a machine voice reads it back to you. So actually, that's been one of my new lines of defense. Whenever I write something, I go in there and I, I listen to it back, and I catch, you know, a couple things. Then I read through it one more time, and then hopefully it'll be good to go. So, uh, yeah, just trying to improve my writing style there. And I did finally get ca- caught up on reviews, thank goodness. That's always, because you don't want to spend all day writing. You know, you want to watch new stuff. And, you know, sometimes I watch, like, old stuff, because whenever I watch old stuff, I don't have to re-log it or or whatnot, um, <laughs> which is funny. I brings me into the next topic. So I did pick up uh, Jaws on 4K yesterday. Looked pretty darn good pretty darn good. And watching that movie, um, like the whole like essence of like them wanting to shut down the beaches because, you know, Jaws is out in in the water, you know, really just to my mind thought of the whole like COVID uh, quarantine thing to where, you know, people want to have this like busy social summer. But in a lot of cases, you're not going to be able to have that because of the health crisis. And so I wrote a little bit about that. And, you know, (laughs) I spent, you know, an hour and a half writing something about the immigrants, you know, doing an analysis on that. And then I you know, write up a simple thing about Jaws, and it gets twice as many likes on Litterbox, So, go figure. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, that's that's funny that you mentioned that about Jaws because I mean, that's been like a that's a big meme about the COVID thing. Is oh yeah, it's like you don't think they would open up uh open up the country, and it's like the remember the mayor opened up the beach in Jaws, and it's like oh haha, you're so right.
1: Uh-huh. So. Shows shows how much I look at memes. Goodness um yeah and then coming up i'll be talking about a lot of nostalgia. so with you know it's um summer upon us i've been watching a lot of nostalgic 90s kids sports movies and i just happened to be pinged by another podcast a new a new podcast we're like hey we'd like you to come on and talk about um a movie i was like oh cool so we we're in kind of discussions there so i'll let that be known if i do make that that guest appearance coming up it's sweet yep and apparently they had just like come across my review when they didn't even know I did a podcast, so kind of a interesting string of events. All righty, so let's go back to our movie pick 'em game. Get a little more movie centric with our con- conversation. So Joey, after this show, would you rather, if you had to only watch two mo- between two movies, would you go with? This is gonna be a Stallone fest. Would it be Rambo or Rocky? Ooh, are
0: we talking just just the we're talking about First Blood and Rocky One? Or are we talking like franchises? Just the
1: first one, R- Rocky. Okay, it's been um, so long. I'll oh, go ahead.
0: Like, and part of that is is like somehow, as a child, I had I had Rambo two and not Rambo one. And, like, so I went back and watched Rambo 1, and I was probably in, like, high school or somewhere in that point, but I had already seen Rambo, like, like, Rambo 2, like, multiple, multiple times. Probably shouldn't have, but I already had. And then, so, like, Rambo 1, now where I'd probably like it more. Like, at the time, I was just very unimpressed with it. Um... But like Rocky One, it's just it was just just classic. Like, and I mean, I guess Rambo is too. But I mean, it's, it's this is this is friggin' Rocky. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think I would just probably rather watch Rocky.
1: Okay, uh, I, I guess it, I I'm really due for a Rambo rewatch. So, and I have First uh, Blood over there on 4K that I've been meaning to watch. Um, nothing against Rocky. Yeah, I think I'd just go with Rambo. I've been that's been up on my watch list a little longer. Um, but I do need to you know, watch through those Rocky films again as well. Um, just watched Rocky Last Blood. My uh, nephew recommended that I check it out. And yeah, I really wish they would have ended with the, the Rambo film they, would, they did 10 years ago where he goes to Cambodia and kicks ass. That felt like a Rocky movie. This felt like a Taken movie and then a bunch of other movies with Rocky in it, an old Rocky in it. Um, including, uh, every, I think most people know that there's like this ultra violent version of home alone built in there. (laughs) So, um, last blood, it, I guess it's a, it could be a guilty pleasure, but it felt more like a taken movie than a a Rambo movie. So I wish they would have stopped with the previous one.
0: Um, I mean, it probably makes a little bit more sense, especially, I mean, I haven't seen it, like I said on your, like I commented on your, your letterbox, but like, it probably makes sense that like. With him being, like, I don't know, old AF, that is probably easier for him to, like... Because then he like, defending a house or something.
1: Or, like, um, breaking
0: into a house, kind of.
1: Well, I mean, imagine the, the plot to Taken. But then, like, the people who mess with them with the... Cause, okay, so, I'll give you just the plot. So, he... In this movie, he has a niece. And she wants to go visit her dad in Mexico... And they keep telling her that her dad in Mexico is a totally asshole, but she's like, "Oh, I got to meet my dad. I got to meet my dad." And then she actually goes down there. um, Spoilers. And yeah, he's just like, "I want nothing to do with you." And then she gets kidnapped, and then Rocky goes down there, or not Rocky, but Rambo goes down there. Same difference. (laughs) And it goes on from there. So it it definitely feels like a taken movie. Um, There was a Joaquin Phoenix movie a few years ago called. you were never really here. Um, Saint Lynn, Lynn Ramsey directed it. And there's this scene where he's going around this like sex den, you know, like with sex traffic workers. He's like going around there, like nailing people with a hammer. And that almost exact scene is in this this Rambo movie. So I'm like, hmm, they took a little inspiration there from Lynn Ramsey. So.
0: But yeah, maybe, maybe I was thinking maybe since he's supposed to be Old Man Rambo, like he was just defending the house. Because you know, you said there was like Home Alone style traps or something. I was thinking maybe that would make more sense. It's easier for him to just defend the house versus you uh, know, like going out into the jungle and just like fucking mm-hmm. up a whole army of mercenaries and shit. But it sounds like he's still when you know yeah, messed he, up he, some he, cartel guys.
1: Yeah, he definitely provoked them to come to him. So yeah, he's he's quite mobile still. Oh goodness! All right. I mean, well,
0: steroids are a hell of a drug.
1: Yeah. There you go. Alright, let's get into some more of what we've been watching lately with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Alright, what you got in this on these these three movies, Joy?
0: I've got The Disappointing, an all time classic, and The Spinoff.
1: Alright, and I have The Timeless. You hadn't seen that. And Nostalgia times two. Uh, Let's hear what was disappointing for you.
0: Oh, my disappointing. All right. So last time I talked about Dead or Alive. So this time I'm talking about Dead or Alive 2, Birds. Um, So it's the second movie in the Dead or Alive trilogy.
1: Is this from Miki?
0: Yeah, from from Miki. And oh, boy. So... The first one, you got these two, you know, you got the cop, you got the gangster, and you know they're going through, like gangster, yakuza, whatever, gangster, and they're going back and forth, and ended with that crazy one shooting a rocket, the other one shooting like a spirit bomb, anime blowing up Japan ending. Okay, this one, like, I don't even know anymore. Like, I, I, I let me, let me see if I can, let me go back. Um. Okay, this this is my literal review of this movie. Um, what the hell happened in this movie? Nothing. And when something did happen, you needed to be on drugs, or maybe Miyake was on drugs. I don't even know, man. Like it was, I. There was there were like, I yeah I don't even know. It was just very disappointing, and especially after the first one was was so good until the ending was crazy. But this one was just. Like, there was, there ended up, there was, like, this guy, and he ended up being, like, like, a hit. there was, like, a good hitman and, like, a bad hitman. There was, like, one hitman, and, like, one of them had black wings, and the other one had white wings, and it was, like, I guess supposed to be showing, like, like good and evil or, like, some, some juxtaposition or something. I don't, I don't even honestly have a clue. It, it was very disappointing. And yeah, yeah, like that's just, yeah. It was disappointing.
1: All right. What would you like to hear about next?
0: <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, You had, let's go with the, you hadn't seen that.
1: All right. So it's summertime. It's feeling a little, there's no baseball in the air. Um, I saw Bull Durham last year, and so finally, I had around to seeing that old uh, that Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner, and pretty darn good movie. Pretty pretty darn good movie. Um, didn't exactly know what the mystery was. I was very uh, compelled about that. Um, had a pretty emotional letterbox review about um you know what that movie really meant to me, which was about like well, but, well, Bull Durham is more like the nuts and bolts of what it's like to be in the game. I think Field of Dreams really um, wraps up the passion of what the game means to people. Um, have you seen this one?
0: No, actually. It's one of the ones I, I need to see. Actually, I haven't seen either one of those baseball movies,
1: <laughs> okay. actually. Uh, yeah, so like a lot of people know the premise of it is like Kevin Costner out in his cornfields and he hears this whisper, if you build it, they will come. And so what he does is he clears this field and he builds this beautiful baseball field and then like nothing happens. But then all of a sudden, like the um, the White Sox players that got banned from baseball after the supposed cheating scandal show up and they get the chance to, you know, play the game of baseball again. And the story goes from off from there with kind of getting these perspectives of people who have a deep appreciation for the game, getting this one sh- this one magical chance to uh, make it part of their lives again. It's a very touching film. Um, I can imagine, like, as I grow older, I'll think more and more fondly of it, especially the end sequence. Have you... have you, Has the end sequence been spoiled for you?
0: Like, doesn't he get to, like, play baseball with his dad, who's a ghost or something?
1: Yeah, that's it. And so, um, I mean, it's it's touching. It wasn't... It didn't... A lot of people talk about how it's during the magic hour and it has that nice visual razzle-dazzle. It... I mean, I've seen that done so much better now that i've gone through a lot of these um criterions but it, it's a it's a very it's a very touching movie um for all its sap i think it, it it earns it and um build a dreams uh i can't believe i hadn't seen it before
0: yeah i need all to right. get on that myself but
1: all right what was your spinoff
0: my spinoff is uh get him to the greek Okay. Which is the spin-off of one of of our second movie of this episode, which is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Huh. So um it, it is about Out of Snow, who's one of the four main characters of Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um yeah. and it's a is while well about only two years is made like two years after Sarah Marshall in real life, it's about ten years after Sarah Marshall in that universe, I guess. Um huh. and, and basically his his mega rock stardom is Dwayne. He releases like a is super it? controversial album. It's
1: the same character?
0: Yeah, it's out of snow. He's the same character. Yep.
1: Oh, I didn't I put, put that, that together spin-off. yet. Hmm? I hadn't put that together yet.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So Even, like,
1: even after I looked at your review.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, he had a... He released an album, and it flopped, and... He fell off the wagon because he's a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. He fell off the wagon and just basically started living life like a rock star again, going buck wild. And it's up to this guy who works at a record company, whose boss is P. Diddy, um, but it's up to Jonah Hill, who's a mega fan. He's not the same mega fan who's in Sarah Marshall, but he plays like this. He's not the same guy, but... He's a similar style character. Now, remember, these are both uh, produced by Jason Segel and jo- Patel, and I think they're both similarly written. But okay. um, so, you know, some similarities there. Um, it's up to him. He, he he comes up with a concept to help. You know, you know, like there's a recession. We got to do something for the record company. Blah blah blah. And so he's like, hey, it's been ten years since Out of Snow did this live concert and you know we can do this i don't make all of this money and so uh p Diddy's character's like sure whatever blah 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 so it's up to him to get in from london to new york for the today show and then from new york to la and it's just you know it's hijinks all sorts of comedy hijinks and you know rock star stuff blah 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 it was very okay Uh, it was not as good as sarah marshall and I, you know, I said my piece on t- to why it probably wasn't um as good as that. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have Jason Siegel, It doesn't have Mila Kunis. It has Kristen Bell all of like literally two seconds. Um, to to tie that to that movie. Um, oh. if for some reason if you didn't put it together that he was the same person. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, I don't. I'm not. What upset. That year, was, what
1: year did that movie come out?
0: 2010. Okay, two
1: years. Yeah. Okay, two years later, okay. Yeah, I remember watching both movies, and this. I thought you had said they came out a decade apart, and I was like, what? <laughs> okay.
0: No, no, no. They came out two years apart, but they're a decade apart in, like, timeline.
1: Ah, okay. Opposite or at least of what that's I
0: how thinking. I perceived it, because they kept talking about being 10 years since his concert, that, like, that was a super big concert there. And then in Get Him to the Greek, he's been with the same, he's been with this pop star named uh, Susie Q for seven years or eight years, and they have a child.
1: Hmm.
0: And he does not have a child, or it's never mentioned that he's had a child while he's with Sarah Marshall. And so that would be after he's with Sarah Marshall. So so maybe okay. it's not ten full years. Maybe it's seven or eight years. But it's a substantial amount of time after the events of Sarah Marshall.
1: Okay. So. All right, your pick.
0: Okay. Let me switch back over here. Um, let's go with The Timeless.
1: All right. So this is what I was alluding to earlier with our um, prior conversation about the um, social injustices going on. Um, so I watched The Grapes of Wrath. I read of my. Are you familiar with the story at all?
0: I, mean, I feel like I am. It's just been a very, very long time.
1: So back in school, I read of *Of Mice of Men* by John Steinbeck, and during the period we were learning about John Steinbeck, I learned about his other famous novel, *The Grapes of Wrath*, which came out in 1939. This movie was produced in 1940, so and the events of this movie took place in the early 1930s. So very back-to-back-to-back to back to back in terms of getting the story out to the masses via, you know, literature and movies. With this movie, it was directed by um, the stars uh, Peter Fonda, I believe, um, and it's uh, – who directed this? It was the guy who did The Searchers. Um, the Searchers? Yeah. Ford? Yeah, John Ford. I I kept thinking Howard Hawks, and I knew it wasn't Howard Hawks, John Ford. Um, Black and white movie. And so, yeah, this movie is about, so this guy gets out of prison. He goes and checks out his farm in Oklahoma, and basically the Dust Bowl, which is like this big drought that happened during the Great Depression, um, really pretty much dried up all these people's farms in the plains of the United States and Canada. And so... Since they weren't producing, the banks decided to take back their farms, leaving, pretty much leaving these people with nothing. And they kept hearing about how in California there were these, there was a um, lots of harvest going on, and then they, they needed workers, so they lured these people out to California. Um, imagine, you've seen the Beverly Hillbillies, right?
0: Very, very long time ago, yes.
1: But you know that big, like that truck where they piled like everything onto that truck and the family. Yeah. So basically all these families have that exact same like kind of truck with everything they own possibly jammed on top of it, traveling out to um, California, a very rigorous travel. Uh, They get to California and all these people are actually forced into these like slum camps as these migrant workers. And you have like these people saying like they've been looking out for work and They've run into situations where they promised them a certain wage, but then they cut it back and got another wage. And so these people are like talking out about this, considered agitators. And then you actually have police stationed in these camps and they're actually beating up these agitators, you know, getting them. Hey, be quiet about, you know, what you think about this situation. So very reminiscent in terms of what we see now with um, the man kind of putting down the oppressed people. It was very poignant to see that that was taking place even to farmers back in the 1930s um you know very very tragic stuff the fact that the authority always seems to put their thumb down on you know those who can't um you know need the help most you know so yeah for sure sure. very, very poignant there um yeah it's you know classic literature definitely recommend it's something you should see at least once I didn't, it didn't really resonate with me until I started reading more about it afterwards about like how poignant, you know, this was in history. It kind of plays out as kind of a slow pace, kind of methodical movie. Um, but yeah, when, the more you learn about it, I think the more you appreciate it about it. Um, check out my letterbox review for more. So that was The Grapes of Wrath. Nice. Oh, oh, and I actually didn't even know what The Grapes of Wrath meant <laughs> after I finished the movie. Um. You curious? Hit me. Okay, so the Grapes of Wrath is basically alluding to the fact that the wrath is like people, like the the cops in the story doing bad to the oppressed. And in the Battle Hymn of the Republic and in the Revelations, there's hints that the people that do bad to God's people will get punished. And so that's the Grapes of Wrath. So maybe we need a little Grapes of Wrath in our current society. Maybe so. All right. Um, all-time classic. All right. I actually had
0: two uh, for this, but it's a very good chance that uh, we might be talking about one of them when we uh, talk about some of our favorites here in a bit. So I'm going to talk about the other one, and that is The Godfather. Um,
1: and, uh, I
0: mean, you actually had talked about this, some um, during the <laughs> past week. As, My uh, bad.
1: <laughs>
0: nah, 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 it's fine. Um, I still maintain that I watched this at Winthrop. Okay. And the only person I would have watched this at Winthrop was, is you. So whether or not we watched it that night after we walked in the snow to the Walgreens to get those <laughs> guacamole Doritos... That's fine. We watched Boondock Saints and Goodfellas <laughs> that night, but I still maintain that you and I watched this movie
1: together. I'll paint but, the picture a little better. This is the year, uh, gosh, would, this would have been, um, 2000, 2003, 2003 2004, there was a blizzard that hit, uh, the Southeast United States, especially Charlotte, totally shut down this, the town of Rock Hill that we were both living in, um, for some reason, we decided we wanted to go over to the Walgreens. I guess to get some snacks. And Joey proceeds to do so um, with about three feet, a, or at least a foot of snow in his flip flops.
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure you were in Birkenstocks, so don't even.
1: Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I, 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 I
0: remember pretty well you being in Birkenstocks and like your feet being really cold because your socks got wet.
1: Okay, I think you lost your shoe. Maybe that's the reason that sticks out to me so much at one probably point.
0: Probably did, but yeah, no. Or it came was all out of it at
1: the, the very least, yeah. I was yeah. all about
0: the rainbow life 24-7 yeah. back then. Yeah, yeah. Back then,
1: I forgot. So, I totally but... forgot I had Birkenstocks, <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were both, uh, yeah, that's what happens when you're 18, and we were trying to get snacks and get back, and I'm pretty sure we also probably got lit that night on oh. Jack Daniels.
1: Yeah, alcohol, um. <laughs> good times, good times.
0: So, but anyway, it's the first time, whatever I watched The Godfather, whatever it was, some some point around me being 17 or 18, uh, this is the first time I've watched it since then. Um, And I watched it because of this deal I made with my friend Rosa to watch five gangster movies. If I watched five, if she watched five gangster movies with me, I would watch Shaun of the Dead. So she finally is going to get me to buckle and watch Shaun of the Dead. But anywho, so we decided to start with The Godfather. Um, I, one, had forgotten just how long this movie is. Um, it is very long. It is still very good. Um, and like is, it I said, over, is it over three hours? No, it's right at three hours. The okay. second one is the one that's like three and a half.
1: Right.
0: Um, which is why we didn't back-to-back then. We went from that to The Departed. Yeah. Um,
1: Long so, movie in itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not three hours long. Though, I think, but the thing with like all the gangster movies I think like every movie I have in that list is like two and a half hours or more long. So, yeah. um, but, um, movies a masterpiece. Like, just everything is interwo- interwoven very well, and it's just this super complex story of Italian families of being the Italian family. like You don't speak out against the family and all of that. And then there's just, like, they don't they don't want to be violent, but then somehow there's always violence. And then, like, how everything is shot, like, all the cinematography and everything is so great. And I think, like, like, everyone talks about, you know, oh, what does this mean? Oh, it means Luca Braza sleeping with the fishes. Or, you know, the scene where Sonny gets shot up. And everyone talks about those scenes. Yep. Or, you know, they talk about the, the horse head scene, I think might be maybe the most iconic scene. But, like, I think rewatching it, the thing that the scene that sticks out to me is is when, when Vito Corleone Vito is uh playing with his grandchild in the tomato field and like mm-hmm. that scene is just he's just even though yeah, he's the Don and he's this super crazy powerful person, he's still just a person. He's still playing with his grandchild and then, you know he has this heart attack or whatever, stroke, whatever it is, you know, and just falls down in that in the tomato garden that that shot is just it's so crazy like it's so crazy good um Hmm. just
1: the orange in his mouth
0: yeah the orange yeah like everything like it's just like and to this day like brando is the godfather like yeah he's been in a ton of other roles he's the godfather uh, Pacino. A lot of people think Pacino was Scarface. No, he's Michael Corleone. He Cor- Corleone. He is the next Godfather. He's the Godfather. Like, they they are these characters to yeah. this day. Like, well, my, my! father went down there and put a gun to his head and made him an offer he can't refuse. True story. Like, like a much more iconic movie and role than. Say hello to my little friends. Like that's a that's a my opinion because i know you feel differently it's a bad gangster movie in comparison to like most other gangster movies so but that's huh. that's the all-time classic
1: <laughs> whoa whoa, okay so you're saying you don't like scarface it's...
0: no i think scarface is very overrated
1: ah huh was like, i mean when was the last time you saw it i mean and you just have like some stuff on the top of oh, your head okay. of why. You... So
0: the first time I watched Scarface, I actually thought it was like great. I loved it. I was, it was like super violent. It was, it was like everything that I wanted when I was like 16, 17, 17, probably. Cause I bought yeah. it by myself. So I was probably 17. So it's everything that I, that, that I wanted. And then I watched it like two or three more times. And it's, it's been a little while, but I just, it's like, it's, I've, whereas The Godfather, while three hours long, I think it's a, it's, it's fine. It, it has a lot of stuff going on. It, it, it tells all of the story, and it's very exorbitant, and it, it has a lot of stuff. Seven Samurai is very long, but it tells this very engrossing, enriching story. Like the Godfather, The Scarface, is very long there are a lot of scenes you could probably cut out most notably like the 57 hours where he's in the goddamn bathtub um <laughs> okay um but it, it, okay to be fair it has been if a- i would have a- known
1: this coming into recommending La Haine, i might have maybe understood your opinion coming a little more into that <laughs>
0: um but i mean there are way they're like oh, wrong there's way worse movies than um than Scarface, but just when, like, when you're talking about, like, gangster movies, like, there's just so many better gangster movies, like, mm-hmm. like I don't even, like, when you, you have the Godfathers, and then you have all the Scorsazis, and then you, you know, all the other gangster movies, it just, it just pales in comparison mm-hmm. to them, and there's ones I probably still haven't seen, like, like, it didn't even cross my mind, it was like, hmm, gangster movies to show my friend like i didn't even think oh, i'll show him scarface like it just hmm. so
1: it doesn't really resonate to me as much i mean it, it definitely is a gangster crime film but um it's just i mean i think al Pacino's is fantastic in that movie um yeah, it's a it's a discussion for another day so
0: yeah all right I didn't mean to go all, we didn't mean tangent as we want to do so anything anyway, you have um nostalgia times two
1: okay so i've gotten into a few of these um 90s kid sports movies which i cherished as a kid um and that's actually what i got really bogged down in with um you know being a high on, on reviews i i reviewed um rookie of the year back to back with my pick which is mighty ducks back to back with mighty ducks 2 back to back with little giants and i was just Totally sick of writing about kids' sports movies um, after a few days. Because, you know, it's the same basic formula. I mean, they all need to tip their hat to the Bad bad News Bears. But man, Mighty Ducks. Okay. I came into watching these two movies thinking, remembering that Mighty Ducks 2 was my favorite. And I came away thinking a much different tune. Where Mighty Ducks really... it, It lays it on heavy in some aspects... But the way it ties that music together with the play-by-play sports announcement, with the hockey highlights, with the very passionate story about these total misfit players that are pulled up and encouraged to play the game of their lives against the um, you know the Hawks, the the number one squad in town, um, it just executed totally perfectly. Um, <laughs> it blew my mind how much I wrote about this doggone '90s kid sports movie, but it. It really touched me, rewatching The Mighty Ducks. Um, And then I get to two, and it's basically they did the same stuff, but way, way, way less effectively. So that was a bummer. Um, It's still a really, really fun film, hockey action and stuff. But even, I mean, you know coming into it, it it was homaged by, you know, the the U.S. beating the Soviets in the 1980 Olympics. I mean, even in the beginning of the movie, it says, Minnesota Miracle, big on this, like – a newspaper or whatever like really hinting like hey that's the kind of story we're about to get into and it's almost it almost becomes a worse movie once you know the actual movie about that event miracle comes out you know about a decade later so um yeah mighty ducks uh i'm still gonna gonna watch a little big leak coming up i've been meaning to watch cool runnings coming up yeah, a lot of these. I really want to tackle all these '90s kids sports movies. Just got to space them out a little bit better, so I'm not going bonkers writing about them. So. Um,
0: was D was it D two or is it D three where they like ended up at like the private school? And That's D like three.
1: Okay, and they were like <laughs> have, the JV team. Okay. Yeah, I have absolutely no nostalgia for that movie. I I should probably look back at it see if it resonates with me anymore now, but I remember disliking that movie heavily when it came out. So. It'll be interesting so I, to revisit that one. For,
0: for some reason, I remember that one the most, even though I think that's the only one. I I, I only watched it, like, once, but I think I was just, just older. I definitely know I watched D1, like, the most. Because, I mean, if you were a 90s kid, it was all about the Mighty Ducks. And then they came out with an actual Mighty Ducks hockey team, and it was like, oh, my God, yeah. this is... I need like, a cartoon, it, which I didn't watch. It, yeah, it was like, the Mighty Ducks, like, they were huge. Like, it is, was... It was like a huge thing. Like you couldn't
1: escape it. Yeah. I also watched uh, Airborne, which is a rollerblade movie from the 90s. And that brought back some some good um, memories since I was a, a 90s rollerblade kid. Um, but yeah, I was expecting just to be like, okay, on the Mighty Ducks. But man, that, that blew me away. And it was a D2. That was a little bit of a step down, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Check out my Letterboxd reviews to hear a little bit more why.
0: Uh, yeah, I ended up like I used to watch all the Three Ninjas movies, and I I just know that like I'm glad I don't have to rewatch those because they're probably so bad now. They're probably, I don't think I've never watched ninjas. past
1: the first one. I definitely watched Surf Ninjas and Three Ninjas, but uh, like Three Ninjas Knuckle Up and. Go to Thunder Mountain or whatever came next after that with Hulk Hogan. I couldn't
0: tell you anything about them now, but I definitely remember that I watched all of them. (laughs) Oh, boy. All
1: right, now to our feature movies this week, which are some of our favorites. Um, And let's get into a little bit of our conversation, a conversation about what what make up our favorite movies. So, honestly, the range of what makes up my favorite movies is... Very expansive. Typically um, movies that pack a huge punch or get me emotionally invested uh, definitely resonate to the top as some of my favorites. Plus, I love me some nostalgia. Um, Nostalgia. Uh, So any movie that takes me back to a certain time and place uh, and gives me that special kind of experience is, yeah, I hold on to those pretty dearly. Um, We've talked about some of my favorite movies already on the show. Uh, Fargo, for sure, don't you know? Uh, T2. Judgment Day, Whiplash, you know, gotta go your tempo. Um, And even last episode with Blue is quickly growing on me as, um, you know, a very emotionally uh, pivotal film. I know um, movies that had a very dazzling visual style to them have resonated. That's why Fight Club, especially to me, is is something I got drawn to early on. Uh, Clockwork Orange, the same way. Uh, Stanley Kubrick being um my original favorite director because I remember clearly um having a conversation with a guy and <laughs> he's just like so who would you or actually he was telling me how Q- Kubrick was his favorite director and I was like gosh I guess he's kind of mine too because that was still kind of the po- point of time where you had these um Warner Brother DVDs where they were all white and it just it's said Kubrick at the bottom and there was like The Shining and um Full metal jacket and a clockwork orange, and then just had that the white DVD cover and Kubrick on the bottom. And that's really what kind of started this path of thinking more of directors and like following directors and becoming very appreciative of their work. Um, so yeah, I love all his later films, uh, especially like I said, The Shining Eyes Wide Shut. Um, a more modern director, I really enjoy, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, I saw Magnolia really young, but when I revisited, it blew me away, and I've seen There Will Be Blood several times, and incredible movies for me. Um, Love me some QT, uh, Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) It's funny. Um, My favorite QT film, Inglourious Bastards, is my favorite Tarantino film, but Pulp Fiction is one of my all-time best films. I think it's just my little cheat card for saying, you know, putting different categories, different films, liking as much Tarantino as possible. List goes on and on. Um, right now on my letterbox, you'll see uh, the banner being being John Malkovich, Amadeus is incredible, Monty, Monty Python, Die Hard, Rocky IV. I have some lists there on letterbox somewhere with my top hundred favorites. Got a lot of them. Love a lot of movies. So yeah. So this was kind of a fun topic to get into after our movies that we weren't so into.
0: Oh uh, yeah, it fence. was like it was it was a good. Uh... So like a good juxtap- juxtaposition um there you go. so obviously i mean we've we've talked about this pro- like ad nauseum um like obviously it's gonna be kill bill so anything not anything but you know, quentin tarantino um and I, i've liked um you know things that i watched when i was younger so like i keep like you said anything that's nostalgia so a lot of those would be like a lot of the older like Claude van damme lionheart Kickboxer, boxer blood sport style movies obviously die hard star wars um Um, Some stuff I watched more recently, like Big Lebowski and La La Land. So you have the same directors, just different movies. Um, Sin City, The Town, uh, Point Breaks, another nostalgia movie, Roadhouse. Um, But, you know, Revenge is a big topic that I love. Um, So Old Boy and, uh, like, the OG Batman with Michael Keaton. Um, Then, you know, stuff like Pirates um, is another one of the soundtracks. And I, I have a big soft spot for, like, uh, some of like the like 90s teenish movies like cruel intentions 10 things I hate about you um, so just all sorts of stuff all over the place um, kind of feel um my favorite movies um, yeah they're just kind of they're just kind of everywhere um, I just think kind of yours are kind of sort of the same way um,
1: and what's your favorite animated film?
0: My favorite animated film. Like I really loved Aladdin growing up. That's definitely got to be up there. Uh, Inside yeah, Out is up there. Um,
1: okay. More for sure. one. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, now that's I got some like not necessarily a the movie itself is really good. Um, it hits you just right in the in, in the friggin' gut. But it also just has some memories and stuff attached to it. So you know di- different things. But it's just a it's really good. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a. Like, you remember Ron. the first
1: movie you saw in the theater?
0: The first movie I saw in theater uh, was Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: Okay.
0: Um, I was really young, but that was yeah. the first movie. I, that was the first movie I saw in theater. Um, but like the first movie I remember wanting to go see in theater was Jurassic Park. Okay. Um, Thanks. and then I remember uh, <laughs> we got in a car accident on the way there, and so we didn't yeah. get to go see it. Um, Jeez. actually, uh, and now where, where I got into that car accident at, cause we didn't live in Florence at the time, but we were going, uh, to see the, in Florence cause, uh, the town I live in didn't have a theater. Um, now there's actually like a thing that says we're prepared to stop. There's a light down here, blah, blah, blah. It was a, it was a whole thing, but yeah, it was just super backed up traffic and like, yeah, whatever. Um, so
1: yeah, Aladdin, um American Tale was a special one for me growing up. The first one I remember seeing in a theater, I remember waiting in line to get in the theater was um uh, land before time, the original. And I then Oh, uh, yeah,
0: land before time. Oh yeah.
1: 1985. I know I I I think I think I came out in 85. I must've been super young, maybe almost infidish at that point. Um and then the first one I remember like seeing an advertisement on like Friday night during TGIF on a abc and then being like hey hey bring me to this immediately was uh when turtles 3 came out and went to go see that the the next day so as a kid wasn't quite as bad as what you know the reputation grew to be but
0: i don't know if i saw any of the turtles movies in theater i know i definitely owned them and i remember the first the first two movies i owned on vhs were batman and homeward bound and i had i had them for forever on vhs and it saddens me that i don't have them i remember that's how actually I learned cursive. Was that my mom had written my name in cursive on the Batman VHS, and you know, it didn't look like how I was learning to write my name in print. And so I was like, what What is this? And then, um, because they would take you to like daycare, or keep in mind how dark and gothic that Batman movie is. And I'm like, For taking this movie to like daycare, um, <laughs> but you know, this is 1989, 1990, it's a little <laughs> much different. Much different world than we're in now. Oh, um. goodness,
1: the VHS era. I was When I was in middle school, it was still the VHS era. And um, I went on a school trip to, uh, we went up to Ohio or something to go see some like caves and then go to an amusement park for a um, an ace trip. And <laughs> I meant to bring Mikhail's Navy, but somehow one of my dad's porn VHS tapes ended up in the sleeve. And so they start playing it. And it's looking a little rough and a little recorded and a little porny. I was like, pop that out. So uh, yeah, that brought up that memory. <laughs> good thing oh, we i good thing it didn't open up right to, you know, some good old seventies uh, you know, fill in the blank with pornography genre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of porn, you wanna talk about my favorite movie? One of my favorite movies, at least the one I picked to talk for this show.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We can, we can. Let's do that. And I was like, I was very confused for a second. I was like, oh wait, yes. They they splice porno in. Yeah. Yes. So, like, I was like, wait. Were you talking about blue as the warmest color? Why two Mama Tempean? Like We've talked about this before.
1: <laughs> All right. So um. Okay. So. The first um, favorite movie I remember having when I became a big movie fan, I was in middle school. It was uh, David Fincher's Fight Club. Came out in uh, 1999. Uh, definitely knew that it bombed at the box office. Became a big hit on um, VHS. I don't think DVDs were quite... DVDs... Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the start of the DVD era. I think, I think my family didn't get a DVD player until like 2000. Um, anyways, it totally blew my mind when I first saw it. It was so visually dynamic. Um, and I think it still holds up great. Gosh, I... I really look forward to the day where I can sit there and be like, I don't have to watch a letterbox review, or I don't have to write a letterbox review about this, I don't have to talk about this on a podcast, defending why I like it, I just get to relax and take it all in without really consuming every little bit of it. Um, This is a movie, okay, so I guess I gotta get to the joke, so this is a movie that begs you not to actually talk about it, but fuck that, I'm gonna talk about Me Some Fight Club a whole bunch. you rule
0: breaker, you!
1: <laughs> first, first, and second rule of Fight Club, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what they tell me.
1: Goodness gracious! All right, so yeah, when I when it came time to finally watch this, um, I have a nephew that's in middle school, so he's about the, around my age when I first saw it, and then my other nephew graduated from high school last year. So they both watched it this for the first time. And so I was a little bit on pins and needles, you know, hoping that they would enjoy it. I'm I'm that person that's like I pick out a movie and I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I do. Um they were quiet for much of it, but uh, when it when it wrapped up, um you could definitely tell that they appreciated it. Um the younger one, I kind of had a similar reaction to I did that he was really blown away by the twist. Um, The other one played kind of cool about it. He's like, well, you know, I saw the flashes of Tyler Durden early on, so I knew something was up with that. Um, So he kind of had that personality going into it. Um, When was the first time you watched this, Joey?
0: First of all, with uh, Unrelated, I'm stupid, and uh, I didn't go in and do my highlights properly. So good for me. Um, Because this is one where I was going to interject something. Um and, and like to point out that you know your nephew said he was playing it cool but like you say later like, like we were gonna me and you discussed or whatever uh they it begs you it it want it tells you the whole movie that there's a twist it tells you and we can go in more of that later but okay. uh when did I see Fight Club for the first time? Um, I honestly don't remember when I saw it for the first time. I feel like it was. I can't remember if I had seen it by the time I got to college or not. Like, because I remember, I might not have seen it until after college, but I, yeah, I think it had been out for a while by the time I had already seen it. Sure. Um
1: It came out like right as we were starting high school.
0: Yeah. Because you know, 90, ninety-nine to two thousand was my freshman year, mm-hmm. so of high school. So you could, if it came out in the early part of ninety-nine, it definitely would have been eighth grade. Um, because like I feel like the first thing I remember, like,
1: Octo- October, I said, I October ninety-nine.
0: Yeah. So I yeah, we should have been in ninth grade by then, or at least I was. I don't know when your birthday is because I'm a horrible friend. Um. So, I feel like... And the reason that I say I don't think I remember seeing it until probably either late high school or early... Or or the one year I was at school or maybe even after that was the first thing I remember Ed Norton being in was American History X. Yeah. And I know I didn't see that in the movies not as old as Fight Club. So, yeah, I don't think I... I feel like I saw American History X and Fight Club the summer after freshman year, which was my only year of school. Okay. With my friend Casey, because as a lot of girls are, they were she was obsessed with Brad Pitt.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: and um and Ed Norton. She was obsessed with both and thus we watched both of them. Okay. Yes, I feel like I feel like that is correct.
1: Okay. Let me get into a little bit of what the movie's about. Um Fight Club is about our narrator. Played played by Edward Norton, who needs he needs a little release in life, um, in order to get a little bit of sleep. He's a little bit he has the um narc no, not narcolepsy. It would be um insomnia. Insomnia, there you go. So he attends some support groups um that help him feel help him feel something in life, help him cry, help him feel bad. And so he lets out a big old baby cry, and he can finally get some sleep. But then we have this woman that comes into his life, Marla Singer. And she actually prevents him from being able to have this release because he can't do it when somebody's watching, apparently. <laughs> um when someone
0: else is also faking.
1: Right. Yeah. So someone, yeah, that know that, you know, is aware of what he's doing, he can't do it. Um all these different kind of male things that um when you get stage fright, come to mind, but we'll just move on <laughs> from there um, as these two leech on to these emotions of people in order to get their release. Uh, the narrator uh, discovers short time later the very blunt, free-spirited Tyler Durden, and after his apartment blows up, they set off on a cathartic journey of anti-consumerism, um, unleashed uh, male aggression, and mayhem that spirals out of control. And having written about it on Letterboxd, um, prepping about it to talk on this podcast, like I said earlier, I just, there's just so much in this movie to comment about, <laughs> even though we're not supposed to, um, that I'll be very, it'd be very, I hope I watch this movie again in five years and I'm just able to just kind of relax, take it in slowly, shoot, knowing me, I'll probably write about it again. I already, I already want to write about it again, so, um, all right. So I've heard a lot of people say they resent the fandom of Fight Club, and I've never really known anybody that ever made it obnoxious to me. Maybe I'm that guy. I don't know.
0: Um, well, I think the people who re- the, like the resent the fandom about this movie is the the people who like take up when they say like, oh, my favorite movie is Fight Club, and the part that they love about this movie is the wanton destruction, just fucking shit up, fighting people. Like, they like the underground fight club part of it, you know, where they're actually just fighting. Yeah. And then, you know, like, hey, cool, let's, uh, let's, let's go call some mayhem. Let's fuck some shit up. not, mm. you know, necessarily realizing the movie is very satirical oh, in yeah. its message. You know, like, in the scene, there's the scene on the, like, they're getting on the bus. Like, and it's like, mm-hmm. who would you fight? Um, like, they're, uh, Brad and Ed are rocking down the street, and they're like, who would you fight? Uh, any fictional character, and one's like, I would fight, uh, one of them says an author, and the other one, I don't remember who he says, but anyway, they go to get on the bus, and uh, you very you see Ed Norton doesn't pay, Tyler Durden does pay, and Brad Pitt pays. Another one of those like very the clues. But anyway, oh. they're talking back and forth, and they look at the... How about the
1: Calvin Klein ad, right?
0: Yeah, and they look at it like Is that a what Calvin a man Klein looks like? Right yeah, and he's like, is this what a man looks like? And it's not even 20 seconds later... Brad Pitt, you see him for the first time without his shirt on, and he's just as chiseled. And it's like, huh, hmm. uh, this is where you, huh. like, especially when you know, when you already know.
1: I never put those two together, but that, yeah, that makes sense that, you know, he's he does look like the same people they're commenting on. Huh.
0: Yes. I mean, but I mean, like, think about it, like, so does Ed Norton. Ed Norton's got a six pack in this movie. Ed Norton doesn't. Like I know plenty of women who are like, man, Ed Norton's hot. Maybe maybe not now because you know he's kind of came off as a, like a, a wackadoo. But I know plenty of women who are like, you know, Ed Norton is a good-looking man. So nice. Um, um but yeah, yeah I, I I think it's just the the um. The, the noxious thing is people who are like the, like the dude bros about it is where I was going. I didn't mean to kind of tangent there. My, my apologies.
1: Yeah, and I think that fandom also gets attacked by because you have a lot of cinephiles who will be like... They'll mention films like Fight Club and Scarface and Clockwork Orange, some of my favorite movies. And they'll attach this film bro thing to it or this toxic masculinity thing to it. And that... It, it aggravates me because I look at these movies from a much more artistic perspective of how they tell a story, how they bring us into a world, and not so much of how they're telling us to live our lives because we all live different lives. So um, we'll get into this more as it goes along. But yeah, it 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 really I really wanted to come out with a review that talks about this movie from an artistic side. There's plenty of that on there on YouTube as well, but there's also people who bash this movie because... Yeah, they just they sell it short as being juvenile and toxic masculinity. Gosh, that's just one of those words that drives me nuts because, I mean, why pick on men all because, I mean, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll move on. Um, well, any thoughts I, I, on...
0: I think that the toxic masculinity part of it is because there are so many men who have taken and used this movie to glorify... Mm-hmm. Shit like the underground boxing club like yeah. that that specific part of it. Hurting
1: people. Yeah, definitely don't contone any condone anything like that. Being yeah, bad to but women. They
0: they've completely and utterly missed the point where it's look how his life felt as shit. Because he used plot plot spoiler, he used Tyler Durden as a projection of himself and to mm-hmm. be all the things he wanted to beat it to, to yep. look how he wanted to look, to fuck how he wanted to fuck, to do all the things he couldn't do, to be, yep. yeah, and, and it just ruined his life. And
1: hmm. well, to the op- point where he, or opened his eyes,
0: or well, it did open his eyes to a degree, but look, I mean, you get to the end, and it's like he's,
1: yeah, it's already he, set in motion, can't stop it, just gotta let, gotta, gotta see this part of the world burn.
0: Well, yes, yeah, so but I'm pretty sure. Um, Speaking of the becoming, Joker, becoming a agent of chaos to tie into the Joker, which is why I picked Heath Ledger's the Joker quote specifically nice. um, to tie in. But um, becoming the head of a terrorist organization so powerful that when you try to turn yourself into the fucking police and can't. Because the police are so corrupt. Huh? Also Joker. Haha, real life. Oh, God, sad. Anyway, um, that you can't. Um, that's kind of a problem and probably not for the best. Um.
1: And what was up with these 90s, early 2000s movies that had opening credit sequence where they were like zooming through some kind of tunnel-ish kind of stuff? Um, I can recall it from this movie. Uh, Spider-Man comes to mind. Um, this was a very popular way to open a movie back then.
0: Um, I will say that the, the CGI in this movie was very noticeable.
1: Now there well, wasn't a lot at times.
0: I mean, there well, wasn't, there wasn't a lot in this movie. It was just what was, was noticeable, but yeah, it, it's, it's just a thing. Like just like now I have to expect every movie has a mid credit scene. Thanks Marvel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Were you aware of meatloaf coming into this?
0: Yeah. And maybe not at the time maybe mm-hmm. not the first time i watched it but i mean yeah, i mean now i know he's a you know he, he's yeah i mean he's one of the big people who's in it
1: yeah um i know my dad's a big fan of his music i watched him a lot on uh celebrity as a bit apprentice yeah time back to trump or whatever but yeah i'm a meatloaf <sighs> with his bitch tits um <laughs> or bitch tits bob as i think i put it here on the notes um, yeah, so this this was the first movie that really made me see film as an art. I like to uh, pride myself in being able to say um, having an uncon- unconventional structure and really great visuals. I love how the camera feels like it's constantly moving and tracking, doing all these tracking shots, um, which brings me back into the CGI. So like like instances where like you zoom to like each different like basement of a building and you see all like the explosives or whatever. Or like whenever the gun's in his mouth at the beginning, and it zooms all the way up the gun. I mean, Fincher is 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 very highly known for um, using CG in instances like that. Like he's very known for using like his CG blood and like Zodiac and stuff. And so he he accomplishes those scenes. Also, one uh, when the pilot light goes out and describes how like the apartment's filling up with gas before the explosion. You know, those are all CGI shots. I think that still hold up pretty well. What was some of the CGI that you didn't like
0: um the, the drink the the drink sequence that he had like when uh so you know he's talking to marla on the phone he hangs the phone up and then the next huh. or he hang he puts it on the receiver but he doesn't hang it up and the next thing you know he's having a dream that he's having sex with marla and like that whole it's just have... yeah i mean it was just it doesn't necessarily that it was that one I didn't think was very good. But, like, the rest of it, it, was, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just it was very noticeable now okay. um, compared to, like, I guess the CGI that we're used. But, I mean, it was CGI from 1999. the sure. CGI from 21 years ago. Like, of course it's going to stick out. Like, I just watched Sin City, which was from, like, what, 2004, 2005, which is so, you know, you're like, oh, it was only four or five years later. The CGI in that movie was considerably much more – it was much newer and was very high end for its time, and even that CGI was noticeable. Mm-hmm.
1: And that I movie think the was worst a lot of
0: CGI.
1: For me, the worst one is the buildings at the very end. But I almost think that's supposed to have some kind of like comedic kind of value to it. So I think that might be the reason why those look cheesy.
0: I mean, I think actually like the buildings at the end are actually one of the, one of the spots where it's better. Huh. Um, but you know,
1: the the last shot where it's off in the distance.
0: You're not know, where they're like looking through the window, right? And watching them explode and, and mm-hmm. fall down, yeah. Yeah, like I think actually that looks fine.
1: Oh, okay, nice. All right, moving on. Um, so let's get into the consumerism aspect of this, where the big quote is the things that we own end up owning us. Which, oh my god, is that true in the sense of the word? Gosh, uh, geez, where do you start with consumerism with this film? But I mean. I think the, the biggest highlight for me is where it just randomly cuts to like these things, these like logos. I think you see like White Castle and Starbucks, and then it zooms out. We see more logos, more logos, and then all of a sudden it's all in a trash can. So, damn, look at that.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, everything is uh, in his apartment. Um, like,
1: yeah. So, yep. his apartment essentially turns into a whole magazine ad of what he bought, and it's all in his apartment.
0: And it's, it's so funny to think that like, it was 1999, so you can see all the things, like obviously having house phones, and they weren't even wired, like cordless. Well, he was in a cordless phone in this condo, but mm-hmm. um, like house phones, pay phones, ordering stuff out of an Ikea magazine versus on the internet, um, mm-hmm. just all in fax machines, you know, just all these like throwbacks to, to stuff that, you know, from when we were kids. Um, but I, I think, uh, watching it this time, a thing that I noticed, and I put this in my my letterbox reviews, you know, I don't put a ton in them when we're going to do movie, uh, the podcast. Um, one of the things that he mentioned was like, if I see something clever, like a yin and yang coffee table, I just have to have it. And it's like, I never paid that any attention because it's like yin and yang. The thing is, yin and yang shit was super big in the 90s.
1: So, Absolutely. And it,
0: and it was one of those things when I was a kid. It was like, man, I wanted to have everything yin and yang because yin and mm-hmm. yang it was really cool. But it's like this is one of like the first signs, like one of the first clues, besides the fact that there was like a subliminal blink of Tyler Durden like in the first like two seconds of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's like that's a that's one of the things. They're just trying to tell you. They're trying David Venture is trying to give you the twist on the silver platter. He's trying to tell you the twist on a silver platter. It's like here, everybody (laughs) has a little bit because. I
1: I, I can honestly say I don't. I I don't recall if I remember seeing the flashes the first go around, but man, I mean subsequent viewings, I, I saw more and more and more and more and more. So right
0: um, like every every like every time i watch this i'm like i don't remember this and i feel like i'm like because I, I mean there's did.
1: so much packed into it i mean they're constantly telling you all these different things that it's it'd be impossible to memorize this movie scene for scene
0: yeah and i feel like it's one of those things where it's like i feel like i remember this like I, I have to have noticed it but i feel like it's been so long since i've watched it i just forgot but it's just yeah. man
1: and then, you know, capitalize on, like, I learned a lot about globalization, learned about politics in college, and that's really kind of what it feels like to me, this globalized society where we all go get our Starbucks, we all go get our McDonald's, and this this movie's themes of, like, anarchic, um anarchy, and really pushing away um, that consumerism, kind of rejecting it, and going more back to our primal instincts, which gets back into the fighting, and like defending who we are and you know what this i mean this is a very very male movie so defending who you are as a man um the the quote on the plane he says whenever i travel tiny life uh, single serving sugar single serving cream single um pat of butter people i meet on each flight they're single serving friends um and it seems like such a basic idea, but I mean you do go to like a Target or whatever and you go to like the mini bottle section. Um not mini bottles, but like, you know, like the, the
0: travel section.
1: Yeah, the travel section. You see the little teeny um bottle of sunblock and you're like, "Oh, it's so cute. It's a little bottle of sunblock." <laughs> so, I mean, even to this day, like products out of the norm seem like special and like you want to have them. Like um my wife constantly tells me that I need to be buying my sons like the mini bottles of um not bottles but the mini cans of sodas or whatever so you know they take in less of that stuff um so yeah there's something novel about having things in a small size so that stood out to me all right um a little later on the movie Marla has that really good monologue about um the bridesmaid dress um how, you know she's talking about how passionately somebody wanted this dress and um the next day they just they discarded it. it didn't make any difference to them and i mean that's you know i mean one day is your what one day is your trash is another day is your uh one day is your treasure is another day is your, your trash or whatever you're bringing it to the goodwill by the truck loads or whatever <laughs> so
0: yeah that was uh was an interesting thing because it was followed that um, was she had previously, right before that, just said that the condom was the glass slipper of the, this generation. Um, and it's like, right. come again? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, oh, well, you put it on when you meet a stranger and you dance the night away, then you throw it away, the condom, not the stranger. And it's like, well, uh-huh. you kind of throw the stranger away too, just not in the same sense. And then that's, you know, if you pay attention to her, um, Hella Carter, which is Marla and uh, Ed yeah. Norton's interactions. You can really, just ha- knowing the twist, you can really, really put it together. Like, it's just that was one of the things I, I I was just watching and I didn't intend on it going into this movie, just but as I watched it, every time I was just I was like, oh my God, they're just telling you, they're just telling you, they're just telling you, they're just telling you, mm-hmm. they're just telling you that they're the same person. yeah
1: it's in a way it's very redundant but i mean again it's so packed together and it's coming at you that you know they're just i mean they're constant reminders um there's that part like i think it might be midway through the film where tyler goes on kind of this diatribe and says you know your car does not make you your what's in your wallet doesn't make you and even at that point like the film starts like jittering or whatever like he's like coming out of it almost to tell you that um, we talked about persona on the on the the pod many many moons ago, but I almost think that Fincher took so much influence from what Bergman was doing with trying to cross the boundary of being in a movie and projecting a message. I mean, from like the 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 cockshots in this movie to the movie where the the film breaks or whatever or nearly breaks in Fight Club. A lot of parallels there with with Persona, which is a very feminine film, to um, Fight Club, which is a very masculine film. And me as a film lover, I love both of them. So,
0: I mean, yeah, and then they do some, you know, a couple, you know, little things that are kind of meta, where it's like when we were talking about where Tyler's working in the, you know, he's an overnight film, and he gets to, you know, he, he flips the film, and it's like mm-hmm. this is. What well, tells you to look for in film reels, you know, which is obviously not something we worry about anymore, is everything's yeah. digital. Um,
1: but She's it's like from oh, time it's, to time. Yeah, it's, it's And right I always here. think about Fight Club when I see them cigarette burns.
0: Yeah, the cigarette burner, you, know, you know, you know, maybe you catch that in Grindhouse, the Grindhouse collection or something. Okay. Because um, I'm sure that'd be something that QT would leave in. Because say what you will about maybe his last two movies, the man knows more, has forgotten about more about making movies than most people know. But, um, yeah, so there's, there's just, there is there's a lot. There is a lot in this movie. Um, it, to, to say that, you know, maybe the only thing that would be toxic is the way that they treat Marla. Because they do treat her like shit. But when you have someone that's in the, the process of a mental breakdown, like maybe this movie should be talking, instead of toxic masculinity, is the fact that this dude is suffering from insomnia and having a fucking mental breakdown and, like, no one will help him. Yeah. Like, and that's what leads to all of this.
1: Um, I guess I could relate. Like, I, I would never see my... Like, I have trouble going to funerals. Like, putting myself in actual real life, like, public emotional situations. Like, I can't imagine myself ever going to, like, a support group and being a part of that. But, man, I love me some carthotic movies. Like, I remember, man, I was bawling my eyes out last time I watched Simmler's List. Even a few weeks ago when I watched Dancer in the Dark, I... Had a good cry over that one. Um, so, do you ever cry, Joey?
0: I mean, I have. Movies usually don't get me there. I mean, it okay. doesn't mean that I don't feel emotional, Durham. It's just not the thing that that makes me cry. Um, so, so I'm, like Is there a
1: movie that does make you cry?
0: I don't think. Not that I can remember as an adult.
1: Okay.
0: I'm sure there was maybe as a child. I mean. Like Inside Out, I think was the one that got me the closest.
1: Oh goodness! Even the music and in Inside Out. I I'm, I'm I'm a total sucker when it comes to emotional, especially emotional scores in movies. Um, I, I definitely recommend you check out Blindsiding. At one point, um, that was one that came out a few years ago, and I was very very moving um, depiction of race um, talked about in film. So.
0: Yep. I mean the movies definitely make me feel like make me feel emotional and stuff is part of the reason I love them. It's just that I think when it when it when it comes down to it, I think that then my logical part of my brain kicks in and, and, and just overrides it to a degree, maybe. I, I don't that maybe that sounds really callous, I don't know, but like um I, I you know what? Inside out's not correct. I did did almost cry during that. I actually Almost cried during La La Land, but it oh. was also because there was a lot of other stuff going on in my life, and it just it, oh. it drug up the other those emotions and associated.
1: Movies the story can do that. Touch touch so, your, yeah. your, so. your feelings in different ways for sure. Yeah. Um, this was one of the last notes I put in. I just had to put it in because it kind of comes and goes. But the whole guided meditation part, where Edward Norton just a, suddenly appears in like this ice cave, and there's this penguin that talks to him and says slide. Um, I don't know. That I I really like this scene. Um, I think it's all about he needs to learn to let go and I think that's what leads him into the whole um, you know, the cathartic cries. <sighs> um, what would your spirit animal be, Joey?
0: My spirit animal? Um,
1: I'd like to think mine be maybe a hyena, give a few laughs in.
0: I mean, I like the, like the joke is like you, know, you see on the internet is uh, like a raccoon, a bag under my eyes, and I like to stay up all night and snack. I'd be a raccoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that I mean, goes like, for me f- too. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I love tigers, and I like, would like to think that maybe I'd be like a tiger or something, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was singing, I was singing the, the Hangover Tiger song the other day. Uh, what do tigers dream of when they take a little tiger snooze? Did you ever watch... You didn't watch Tiger King, did you?
0: No, I've not seen yeah. Tiger King.
1: Okay, neither have um, I. And
0: that, that bitch Carol Carol. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, so here's an interesting question for you. Do you think the narrator at any time um loves Marla?
0: I don't know if he ever loves her. I mean, he in the scene near the end where like, they're, they're in like the, the diner, he he says he likes her a lot and he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that he's ever in a position in that movie to love her, or maybe he, yeah, I don't, I don't think he does. I think he, he cares about her a lot, but I don't think he's ever actually in love with her. Not maybe in the sense, at least, in a way that most people per, portray love in a movie. It's like, mm-hmm. for the most part, he just fucks her and kicks her al- out, and then fucks her and kicks her.
1: The alter ego does. He doesn't even realize it's happening.
0: Yeah. So. I, um, and, and even in the beginning, like, he wanted nothing to do with her because she messed up his support groups and being able to cry and everything. Yeah. And then, like, I, I think he feels bad that, like, the alter ego that Tyler had done all of these things. But, you know, at the end, you see that, he, you know, he, he's like, hey, we've had a really bad time. He holds her hand. So I don't think he loves her. I think he just, I, I think that he likes her, but I don't, I don't, and it cares about her. I don't think he ever actually loves her.
1: Yeah, I was curious about that. I never I I pretty much felt the same way, but um Helena Bonham Carter is a super super talented actress, but I she's not really my type, so I wasn't sure if like I was kind of projecting onto the film that there was this disconnect there and the, the film was forcing it. So, yeah, I think he kind of has a pers- um a protective instinct and, and maybe, you know, she is there to be this more sexual, um, you know, sexual aspect, um, for his character. So as as bad as that sounds, but it's kind of true in, in this case. Uh all right. So, um, I guess I need to say, I gotta admit something here. So, um, if I ever were to admit that I have a man crush, it would definitely be Brad Pitt from, um, you know the early two thousands, and this movie. I mean, dude's a stud. Um, and Troy, he was looking. You know, in the you know doing his thing. Um, any man crushes Joey? Come on, don't leave me out on the line here.
0: I mean, is is that what a man looks like? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I have a couple. Um, uh, like probably the most noticeable one that uh, if I didn't say anything about Carl might just run in his room and kill me. It would probably be Timothy Olivet. Huh. Um and then I really uh really like Ryan Gosling. Um,
1: okay. baby faces.
0: Oh Timothy Olivan's definitely probably a little more grizzled. Um was, I don't I don't know, he was he was uh pretty badass in uh in Justified. Um probably Charlie Hunnam. Hmm. Um for for those who aren't familiar, uh movie wise you probably know him as King Arthur, but um more people probably know him as Jackson Teller. From Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. Also, he's it, it, which he where he's chiseled up and tattooed and whatever. But it's probably more usually like their characters and stuff. But you know, if you tell me like, yo, Ryan Gosling's in a movie. I'm like, yo, I'm in. Also, then if you immediately follow, hey, this movie also has Emma Stone. Then I'm really in. <laughs> um, and then if you're like, yo, Timothy Olyphant's in this. Like, I'm really in. Like, yo, his part in What's Going On in Hollywood. I was about that um you know Mm -hmm. i watched the crazies remake because he was in it i watched santa clarita diet because he was in
1: it like so nice now this point might go a little bit more for me than you since you kind of you kind of live in um a more of a guy atmosphere you know with having some roommates um me being you know with little kids and my wife like i kind of feel emasculated at times and so watching a movie like this kind of gives me that kind of fraternal feeling like, um, you know, watching, you know, Edward Norton and um, Brad Pitt, you know, you know hanging out in the house, doing their guy thing. They come and they make a fight club together, you know, this very masculine, aggressive thing. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of enjoy that aspect of this, this male um, thing that I don't generally get to um, experience on a day-to-day basis, being more of a family man. Um, and I was about... Uh Joey had mentioned to me, he saw this, he was asking me what this meant. I was going to ask him if he'd ever played arms before. And which basically arms is, when I was in college, um, you know, we'd have a few drinks and then we'd be like, oh, let's play arms. And basically what it is, is you stand a few feet away from each other and people start, you know, boxing you in the arm. Kind of in a fight club kind of similar manner. But it's just the arm. And basically you go until you, you know, give up. And I played against basically the the king of arms. This guy was knew exactly where to hit you to make the most bruising. <laughs> and I did this right before I graduated from college. And I wore a short sleeve shirt to my college graduation party. And all my family members were like kind of looking at my arm because it was like all bruised up and down. And they're like, what did you do, Justin? And I mean, as much as I hurt and as much as dumb a thing that it was is... I really enjoyed doing it. It was kind of a a, a release, a, a physical release, and um, I don't know. It's hard to describe.
0: I mean, it's like playing dumps though back in school or something like that. Slaps um, or even. Yeah, slaps or you know whatever. Um, you know even though you know slaps was just speed, but dumps was you know who could take take the most pain, and I was good at that when it was cold. These people would you know they'd only want to take like one. And then be like, no, thanks. But um, I don't ever remember playing like, like arms. I mean, I might have, but I don't really remember playing anything like that, honestly. Um, so,
1: okay. Um, I really like the. I think it, it's. I think it's the last rule of Fight Club, where. Um, yep. If you uh, if you haven't fight, then you have to fight tonight. I I, I really like that because that really strikes at the heart of a lot of people. Will go into a situation and they just want to kind of like kind of tiptoe, see what it's all about. But no, this Fight Club movie, it's like, all right, you want to see what it's about? You get right here in the ring and you experience it for yourself. And I really like that directness that it plays.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's your first night. You have to fight. What about the the scene where? Um... Lou shows up, and he's like, "Hey, get the hell out of my basement!" Mm-hmm. And Tyler Durden's just like, "Nah, let us stay, man!" And he just sits there while Lou beats the hell out of him. Like, yeah.
1: I didn't put any notes about that because I wasn't really sure what to say. Um, any, any, like, initial thoughts on your end?
0: Well, it's, it's that thing where okay, so when you when you take well, it, he,
1: well, he's the man, right?
0: Yeah, well, Tyler is Tyler a badass, right? So
1: he's, and he's... But he represents the working, kind of the, you know, the the service level um, group of people. Because they're fighting against the establishment.
0: Well, but yeah, but Lou's like a mafia kind of guy. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's not even, like, the people that necessarily are fighting against. He just... Like, that's kind of how I took his punches. He's like, a mafia. Dude, well, he's I a, was, bu- he's a like, business
1: owner. Uh, like, just thinking about it for a few seconds with me is he starts taking these punches, but he keeps coming back. He's just like, you got another one for me, Lou? You got another one for me, Lou? And eventually the guy gets freaked out about it. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you alone. And it's really, I, I think to me, just thinking about it just now, it's just really Tyler representing this, like, this – these – males that are kind of service level workers and the man's gonna step on them but he's gonna you know look them right back in the eye and say you know thank you sir may i have another
0: yeah there's another it's another point where it's ed norton projecting everything that he wants to be he wants to be able to stand up and just take a beating which he's proved throughout the movie over and over he can just take a beating because he, he he took the beating there from lou he took the beating that he gave himself in his boss's office. Like he, he just takes, he can take a beating and keep on coming. This um, so is the whole, his whole life he's been beat down or at least in this whole movie anyway, kind of thing. Um,
1: and thinking more about fighting as maybe a metaphor in this movie, um, just the essence of these guys, you know, taking their shirts off and pounding each other. I mean, it really strips down everything. I mean, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about you want your car, you want your money. And that's what exactly what happens in uh, the Fight Club is, you know, they they're just them. They're just human beings, you know, like, you know, structured flesh, you know, pounding each other. It's really none of those other things. I know there's a great monologue where he's talking about how this little office clerk, he had this glorious night at the Fight Club where he beat the shit out of some like, Food court manager, or whatever, and it really doesn't matter what you do in the outside world, strip down what who are you as a man, and yeah, pretty, pretty fascinating stuff for me. Um, which then transitions into soap as a metaphor in the movie, which to me really gets at the fact that I mean, what I mean, what does soap do? It cleans stuff away, and so one of the big thematic things about this movie and the whole goal of Project Mayhem is to clear the slate of debt and so you got soap and it's you know you're washing away you know who you were and it's all about who you want to be who you um you know desire what your desires are and and points throughout the whole movie tyler is like i mean there's the poor guy he he drags out of the the convenience store and he's like, I forget the guy's name. It's, it's a pretty powerful moment, but he's looking at his driver's license and he's like, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a veterinarian. Well, why didn't you do that? Oh, it was too difficult. He's like, well, would you rather be dead? And it's a very aggressive, very offensive thing. But at the same time, that kick in the ass, maybe got that guy to do, you know, what he dreamed of doing because in life, we're always saying we're not ready to do something Um, I'm not ready to go on a trip to Europe because I don't have enough money saved up. I'm not ready to make a move to another job because I don't have my resume built up. We're always making excuses about why we're not moving forward in life. And this movie has a very interesting way of saying, get off your fucking ass and do something about it.
0: Yeah, that was a very aggressive way to to go about that. Uh, you know, telling that man, that, you know, in six weeks if you're not on your way to being a vet, I, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah,
1: no doubt. He never, had any, sure he th- never,
0: never had any bullets in the gun.
1: Nope, and um, and in the house, in the Paper Street house, he has that whole wall full of all the driver's licenses of everybody he's done that to. Um, and he kind of does it in a way to the um, you know, the Project Mayhem guys who who are also wanting this this fraternal acceptance unfortunately if we were to get into toxic ma- masculinity it is the fact that you know there's this cult that forms around you know destructive behaviors um around accomplishing this goal of you know let's wipe out the man and start fresh and all have a clean slate Oh, and then there's the, and I mean it's, and, and and what makes it really fun is, um, it's all interjected with comedy. I mean, there's the scene of them breaking into the liposuction plant and they steal the fat, the fat of the land, I think they call it. And then they're gonna sell their own fat asses back to them. Circle of life. How about that?
0: At, at, and they sell it to the department store at twenty dollars a bar. So <laughs> who knows what the department stores charge for it? Probably like fifty.
1: Yeah, and like what I was getting at earlier, um, he has that great quote about. I think whenever Project Mayhem starts doing some messed up stuff, like the the mayor of the city or the police chief or something says, you know, we will root out these criminals, we will find them, and then Tyler and his crew he uh, they jump on them in a bathroom or whatever, and they're like, we are the ones who clean up your floors, we serve your food, mess with us, and you'll pay the consequences, and and uh, it's the whole metaphor of you know chopping off your members i mean it doesn't get much more personal that for a guy
0: yeah and he's like don't you know it it, it honestly when when he's like hey we're the ones who scrub your floor serve you your food pick up your garbage it's like don't fuck with us and it's like wait these are all the essential people. It's all the people who for the last few months in this country here have been the ones Mm who have been super important you know it's Mm -hmm. like it's very relative it's like my wife's one of them
1: she's a nurse she goes to she goes off to the hospital every day and has to strap on that mask and you know deal with whatever comes at her yeah so my hats mom off does. to those there yeah
0: for sure and it's like you know it, it yeah it's don't don't fuck with us and you know the what about it in a very uh very very aggressive way uh threatening to uh literally not metaphorically but literally take take his balls <laughs> <laughs>
1: um gosh i i mean, and there's so much humor in this movie too i mean there's the hilarious scene where he's talking to marla on the phone and you see tyler in the background playing with nunchucks i know when i was watching this 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 last time i was just like hey that kind of reminds me of wanting to be like michelangelo the ninja turtles i mean there's a lot about like just fun masculine humor throughout this whole thing
0: Well, that and you know also just how much tyler keeps himself like, Hey, don't tell her about me. Mm -hmm. Don't tell her about me. And it's like, he's like, just protecting himself. Like, it's just, he's protecting himself. Like the split identity is protecting himself. And then, you know, you think about it, you know, he's on the phone talking to her, but there's his projected self in the background, like doing something mundane, like just practicing with nunchucks or whatever. And it's like, that's,
1: Oh, and he's riding the bicycle and he falls. Gosh, there's, there's some good humor in here. Uh, the, whole dil- the whole dildo gag in the in the airport or whatever. Um, wow. Oh gosh. Um, before we move on, um, have, you've you've never actually really, you've never actually flown before, right? That is
0: correct. I was supposed to. Um, if the coronavirus wouldn't have happened, yes, I would have been on my first flight earlier this year. Wow. Actually, just a few weeks ago. But that is. Uh it will hopefully be delayed until sometime later this year now.
1: Wow. Oh, sorry to hear that. Um yeah, I I love the whole like going through airports, staying in hotels aspect about that. A lot of that stuff really intrigues me. I love to travel. Um so I was pretty fortunate whenever my work sent me up to Chicago a couple times um a year um back from my previous job, so I have a, a little bit of a soft spot for, you know, my time actually getting that like frequent file miles slash, you know, get a rent a car, go to a hotel, that whole, that's a whole little experience I recommend everybody having because <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself whenever you're stuck in a place you have no idea, you know, working, you get off of work and, you know, what do you do? You you find something to do, find, find something to eat. Uh, me, I always try to look for stuff I'd never seen before and try something new, um, Man, 1999 was a a killer year for movies. Um, I mean, American Beauty won it that year. Um, You had The Matrix. You had The Sixth Sense, which I was kind of getting to here coming up. Because my next point is the fact that Fight Club is one of the big pioneers of the twist ending, along with Sixth Sense that came out that year. Um, Bing John Malkovich came out that year. Um, Any movies come to your mind that you want to shout out from Class of 99?
0: I mean... Sixth Sense is one I've ever seen, but...
1: Like... You've never seen The Sixth Sense?
0: No, because someone told me the ending. Oh, wow. Huh. And so I was just like... "Eh." Also, I've now... Since that, I've seen other movies by set director, and I just don't care. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, pro- probably American... Probably American Beauty. Okay. Um, yeah,
1: I, I really need to get back to that one.
0: Because I had to watch that... Uh, for some class we took as freshmen. Okay. Like one of those mandatory freshman intro class things or something. Gotcha. And I think that's how you introduced me to Jake, actually.
1: Nice. Yeah, I, I remember him being a big uh, fan of that movie. Um, just,
0: just I borrowed it from him, and I think that's how you introduced me to him.
1: Nice. So, yeah, let's get into the twist a little bit. Um when I was first watching this, it really wasn't until the secure the surveillance camera footage where it really clicked in my mind that, oh my goodness, these guys are two different guys, and it totally per- changed my perspective on movies forever. Um, watching it back, I mean, it's very obvious that it happened slightly before that in the hotel where they're very clearly spelling it out. I guess I must have been in a total trance by the movie at that point where it really didn't sink in. Um, so was this movie spoiled for you or
0: no 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 this wasn't one spoiled for me or anything so i just don't like i i don't like i said i just this is one of the things i just remember i always knew obviously i didn't know until i watched it but i just it's one of the things i always knew they're the same person but it was from watching it okay and i've seen it multiple 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 times at this point
1: yeah i remember watching it every other time and um or after after the original watch and noticing all the flashes there's the part where they move, they walk past the theater and it says like seven years in tibet on it which was um you know hit back to what brad pitt was doing during that time actually no he came he that movie was i think that was early 90s when that movie came out so yep just kind of mentioning you know kind of referencing brad pitt as a person there what takeaways can we pull away from the fact that Tyler and the narrator were the same person? Um, yeah, I think we've, we've talked about this a little bit already, how really Tyler represents his alter ego. Um, everything he wants to be as a man, there's this whole, like that monologue of, you know, um, I'm, you want to, you want to, you know, love as good as me. You want to look as good as me. Um, I mean, there's, he has so much influence, he's so intimidating, he's fearless and i mean deep down inside um i can totally relate with wanting to have those feelings cuz man uh, i find a lot of stuff scary. I mean, I'm OCD for crying out loud. I get I get um you no, know, nervous about, you know, publishing work on the internet sometimes cuz I'm, you know, intimidated of how people will judge me. So a lot of interesting thoughts there about how they are two people and how this guy is, you know, everything he wants to be, but unfortunately that spins out of control.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's not so much like I guess that they're two people, it's just it's it's one person just represented as two two sides of one person, or and hmm. a projection of the narrator of Ed Norton's self as tyler durden too much to the point that he becomes tyler durden i mean the fact that the only name he is called is tyler by marla and by the other other people other than sir the whole time um
1: and of course it's not one size fits all i mean what you might want to be like your ultimate self might be completely different than my ultimate self i mean there's the whole scene where they're like you know shooting balls outside of the paper street house and me personally i would never blow off steam by going and going and driving balls but i can totally appreciate the fact that other guys would want to do that
0: i mean yeah i mean like i don't know if i'd ever like want to just go to the driving range you know like hey if i got a, i'm in a house and like we don't have tv I and mean, when you back then you don't have internet at your fingertips 24 7. Mm. And they're like hey man let's go outside and you know drink beers and just hit Absolutely. golf balls into this abandoned
1: building It's like, alright, shit, why not, you know? <laughs> so. And then, um, watching it back through clip by clip, um, I noticed the scene where he's standing in the airport and he's kind of just gazing at this red convertible that he probably thinks, like, looks amazing and then all of a sudden Tyler jumps in it and takes off and, you know, that's, you know, his imagination, uh, totally personified there. Yeah, um, ever-
0: yeah, everything that
1: I know, you you're pretty pretty stuck. Uh, a, co- a hard component of things being real, um, making sense in the plot. Um, do you ever think that the realism continuity ever? I mean, I think it's definitely off here. My my nephew was asking me about it, and I didn't really have a good answer for him the time. um Do you think the? I mean, what what are your thoughts? Do you understand the question?
0: For where is the continuity issue? Like, what's the...
1: Um, I mean, just throughout it, I mean, there's times where it's like... I guess where Tyler or the narrator are doing something, and you look back at it, and it's like, could this scene really have played out where there's only one, one guy there or whatever? Where you see a few flashes of how it could happen, but for the most part, I think there's probably a lot of holes. But... I think the movie throws th- so much at you in terms of you actually seeing fantasies play out. Like, he fantasizes about, like, a plane, a mid-air plane crash. So we see it play out, and then he z- zaps back into consciousness. So it never really bothered me, the fact that the movie's kind of all over the place. And that's because it's, you know, it's really dancing around his conscience.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, he clearly is having a mental breakdown. So if something happened that needed more than one person, like I would need maybe a specific example, because if it happened once they started doing homework assignments in project mayhem, then he probably just had a guy with him. He probably had Jared Leto or meatloaf or someone else with him that did it with him. If it was something where it was just him and Brad Pitt, then he just did it by himself. And just obviously imagine that Brad Pitt was there, but you know, obviously it's all in his imagination that Brad Pitt's even there. Like it's hard to say, um, like at all? I mean, this—he's clearly having these delusions of grandeur with Brad Pitt. You know, um, some of that I think if if they did something that needed both Brad Pitt and Ed Norton, like they needed two people actually there to to physically do it or whatever, and it shows them both doing it. Like clearly, that's to also drive to to. to to hide as much as they sh- tried to tell you that they were one person that was also t- that point. They're also, I, you know, trying to hide it. So it is a plot twist kind of deal. Um,
1: okay.
0: I think like maybe I'm not super explaining that super well, but like, I don't, I, I honestly, the first few times I think I watched it, my, my real issue with continuity was when tyler tells him he blows up his apartment it's like well you, how could tyler have blown it up they just met and then but then it's not really that tyler blew it up it's obviously that the narrator blew it up and he just yeah. he because he is tyler so thus obviously he did you know tyler the person the real life person is ed norton too so thus he could have blown it up he just set it up to do it while he was gone
1: Another one of the conversations that uh, stuck out to me is um, Tyler's talking about we had no de- no great depression, uh, which kind of hints to me is like whenever we're learning about history, we kind of want to envision ourselves in it. We want our great moments in life. Um, and a lot of times you don't even realize history is happening until, you know, it's a few years in, behind you. I remember being a high schooler. Um, my senior year of high school and the Iraq war started and I was really excited I was like actually getting to see history you know a war occur and then or happening you know you know begin in real li- in real in live action but then you know you you live and you learn and I mean war is totally awful I mean so many people die in war and sometimes it's unjust and um, so yeah I mean it's good to live in it's it's good to live in history but you know what at what cost i mean we're definitely living in historic times as we speak as we talked about earlier in the podcast with a pandemic keeping you know millions and millions of people stuck in their homes instead of being out and you know you know injustice um getting people in the streets speaking out so um powerful stuff
0: yeah i mean i think you know we've never had a great depression. We've definitely had lots of times of like economic downturns recession. Uh, yeah. Recessions. But you know, the, the, one of the big, the big differences there is the government can just make money now. Nothing's backed by gold. you can just make money mm-hmm. like they did just very recently. They just gave it yeah. all to, to anyway, they just made money Well, I'm not going to go off on that side note. But, um,
1: more tangible example is I remember being a, as a kid like I loved like the movie Twister tornadoes and stuff and I thought they were so cool but then every time you're sitting in your house or your apartment and you hear there's a tornado warning you're like really clenching your ass hoping you know nothing you know comes your way and fucks up your way of life so um, yeah it's it's your perspective from become from being a kid and seeing cool things to then the reality of how that could impact you.
0: And yeah. Also, as a kid, I mean, what's one of the most iconic children's movies is Wizard of Oz. And what happens with a tornado? You get taken to Oz mm-hmm. in a tornado. Like, yeah, everybody's running from it to go hide into the the you know into the storm cellar and all of that. But she still gets taken to Oz in a tornado.
1: And so then they have, and then they have that conversation about like fighting famous people or historical figures that's another instance where they're talking about inserting themselves into history um and Johnny then uh,
0: lincoln
1: yep yep uh there's a part in there that i don't really relate to but i think it's very moving is um they're talking about being ch- children of divorce being raised by women um and although i never had that experience i can definitely appreciate people you know that did
0: Oh, yeah, where he's like, we're a generation of men raised by women. The last thing we need is is more women in our life.
1: Or even that scene where, like, he's... T- uh, like he, like you had said before that Tyler did not want you know, the narrator to talk about him to Marla. And then he describes how it feels like he's t- between two, like, divorcing parents. Yeah. <sighs> lots and lots of good stuff in this movie. Um, I actually watched a re- uh, movie recently called Blind Chance where um it's all about essentially where one point in your life could splinter off and in multiple different directions and i had heard a criticism about like how it would be unrealistic for somebody who missed a train to end up as a democrat instead of a republican or vice versa or stuff like that and i personally i totally disagree um I remember growing up, I was very conservative. And then when I worked in a a newsroom organization um, situation and was hearing a lot more about the news, I became much more liberal. And now that I work um, in more of a uh, defense setting, I mean, conservatives, I mean, if you want to stay, you know, in a good way of life, um, conservatives kind of the political party to back. So I think as much as you may want to think that like your political beliefs are set in stone, I think a lot of, in a lot of ways there, there's, it can be dust in the wind sometimes.
0: Um, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the idea that, you know, this being in a, a decision here changes, um, you know, the outcome and then this, you know, it misses this decision or that decision. I mean, it's, it's that's, a very interesting out you know and i think it's true i mean because who knows what this decision you know leads to i mean maybe not missing a train changes your political party directly but maybe it missing this train leads to something else something to something else and it sets off that chain reaction kind of thing Absolutely. um but yeah there are too many people where you're talking about being your your political party is more flowing where you, you've kind of changed and changed back um you know, I you know we're in the South, so generally speaking, that is much more of a conservative area. And mm-hmm. clearly, based on um what I, the way we were talking earlier, definitely sound a little bit more liberal than than most uh, most Southern people probably would. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, people our age, uh, there are a lot more of them that tend to be a little more liberal. I can think of myself a little bit more moderate, as I tend to think that there are things from both sides yeah. that are.
1: And I think I'd probably put myself in that same thing just because I don't – I have stopped feeling so strongly about a hero way he, – one way or another and it's become more economic oh, for me.
0: I think it's, it's more just, in my opinion, um, having ideas over beliefs to go back to uh, the movie Dogma, you can change an idea. It's much harder to change a belief, but um, – there are things from both sides, I think, that are good. And I think there's things from both sides that aren't so good. And being extreme one way or extreme the other way, you totally lose sight of these other things that could be good, that could work well with the things that you're doing. But that's a completely different yeah, different thing. So, but so the,
1: have, have there been aspects of the film where you've had a run-in with somebody and you mentioned something about Fight Club and – you know, it, it totally brings you back to the film. Um, I guess since I asked the question, I'll answer first. Um, the whole cornflower blue tie thing. I remember one time, um, just, just randomly, me and this co-worker were talking. And I was like, oh, is it in cornflower blue? And, like, we both chuckled, knowing that, like, we both were familiar with that joke and fight club.
0: Um, nothing really like that, honestly. Um... I mean the most thing I ever I ever you know would happen is, you know, maybe I'll say something to somebody and be like, Hey let's you know, da da hey don't talk about that, you know, kind of like a joke, oh, you know. Sure. Hey. And then it'll be like, Oh, is that the first rule or first rule about fight club? You know, generally something like that or you know, um, or you know, hey, da 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 I'll fight you for it and I'll be like, Mm, but we can't talk about it. Yeah, you know, something like that, but nothing nothing like the cornflower the, the cornflower blue um thing or anything right. like that.
1: Yeah. And then you get into the question of like, does the narrator actually condone the moral of the story? Which I mean it kind of gets twisted as it goes on throughout. Um and he gets trapped in this whole like cycle that he kind of accidentally triggers of like, you know, fuck you to the world and you know, down with the the man, let's wipe the slate clean. And, um, it ends up being a case of, you know, having your cake and having to eat it too. And I mean, it's, it's too late by the end of it. Um, geez, before I go too far with that point, um, (laughs) have to mention the fact that, uh, I think Edward Norton might've won like an MTV award for the best fight with himself (laughs) whenever he, you know, he uppercuts himself and flies against that shelf and it breaks and, you know, he's pleading for the boss not to, uh, you know, like him anymore Either when you. people are um, walking in and um, that, that always stood out to me um, much easier much easier ways to telework these days <laughs>
0: um, i just like to point out that this is the movie if you want to watch um, The Incredible Hulk beat the living shit out of the Joker while Achilles watches just like to point that out um, oh, and yeah. then and then go and fuck Bellatrix yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, we, we forgot about the part where he just beats the shit out of Jared Leto, and I was like, I felt like destroying oh, something yeah. beautiful. He just beats the living shit out of him um, because I I am Jack's f- self rejection or something. Um, basically, jealous that uh, mm-hmm. Tyler has picked Good Jared point. Leto. Good point.
1: Yeah, and, there is that whole fantasy of, um, we hadn't discussed it yet, of destroying something beautiful. And um, yeah, he just he gets totally jealous at one point and goes and totally destroys that guy's face and uh it's pretty sick to see but um and then like i mean no one says anything
0: to him because he's the top dog and then durden's like where'd you go psycho boy and it's Mm. like he calls him psycho boy and you think you know if you're watching it for the first time it's oh he just went psycho but it's like no he's calling him out for being a psycho yeah true we're having this like the split personalities and also, obviously, going psycho and beating the hell out of this guy for no reason. And then you even mm-hmm. see Jared Leto later with his messed up teeth and face. Still, yeah. he's still like the number one dude in that cell underneath Ed Norton.
1: Yeah. And then what does it all come down to a really... I mean, about, you know, leveling the playing field, whether it be, you know, guys fighting or, you know, wiping the debt out. And I mean, what an ultimate fantasy. I mean, I'm not sure about your financial situation, but I got plenty of debt. So if all the banks automatically said, oh, well, well, we've we lost record of what you had before here. Let's start at ground zero. I would I would be a happy camper for sure.
0: I mean, I have some debt. I'm not like in debt like a ton of uh, a ton of people are. Like, I don't have school debt anymore, which is what's crippling most uh, most Americans. Um, I do have some like some credit card debt. It's like it's not crazy. Like, I think my biggest thing is um, like I had a car repossessed,
1: which oh no,
0: um, I did intentionally because I was tired of being car broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean, I was working like 80 hours a week to pay my car and my rent and eat ramen noodles. And I didn't think it was worth it anymore. So I just let them take it. Um, You know, and before, you know, someone comments in, oh, you could have resold it. No, I I looked into it. There really wasn't, um, like, I went and talked to the bank and, like, I went through different avenues. And, like, someone would have had to come out of their pocket to, they couldn't have just, like, taken over my payments and started paying the bank because, you know, the loan was made to me and then that would have been on their credit. Someone would have had to basically went and paid the bank like $12,000 for this car to buy it outright. And then, you know, me signed the title over to him kind of deal. So like, yeah, no, it wasn't happening. So they just, they just ate, they just came and took the car. Like, you know, I just, because my, and what it was, was because my insurance had went up to be as much as my car payment. So I was basically making two car payments every month. And I decided that killing myself every month to pay for it wasn't worth it.
1: <laughs> nice. So. All right. So to finally round out our conversation, we've we've had a lot here. Um, so in the end, uh, he finally takes Tyler out. Um, it's a book-ended ending. Um, the same way it starts is the same way it um, it uh, same way it starts is the same way it ends. Uh, he shoots Tyler. Um, by you know, capping himself in the mouth, which um, kills that alter ego. I remember it being a slightly different in, in the book. I did read the book um, several years ago, um, but I'd have to look more into that if it, about exactly how that played out. I do. Re- I thought I thought he had actually committed suicide, um, but I'd have to revisit that. Um, I always thought the end of Fight Club was one of the more cheesy parts, where him and Marla are just looking out and seeing these buildings blow up. But honestly, I got a little. Um, a little emotional about it, watching it this time. I got a little, little one of those good movie chills, and wow, it was, it was, it felt pretty powerful. You know, watching this all the way through, um, likely because this movie it means so much to me. Um, and I mean, it's the fact that, you know, I think Fight Club is a huge statement about art and desire. And I think a lot of people view it the wrong way. So uh, hopefully we got about some of those points. Um, When someone asks you about, when someone asks what Fight Club is saying and you agree, it's kind of a difficult answer because there's so much in here. I mean, we've been talking about it for the last hour and 15 minutes at least. I mean, there's no broad strokes about it. There's so much layered in there. Um, So a a lot of times if you just say the simple answer, you know, I love Fight Club, it sounds like, you know, you're being one of these, like, film bro things. But hopefully, as much as we've talked about this movie and how it means to us on all these different levels, we've, um, you know, we've reflected on the fact of, you know, this is, you know, we see this as a very artistic film, an artistic statement on life, um, and not a negative thing. Um, It really makes it, okay, it really takes breaking the movie down um, and having an honest reflection on these moments that I think um, the film deserves. Because I think it's a it's a very, shoot, it's one of my favorite movies. Enough said, right? <laughs> five stars in my book, of course. <laughs>
0: um, of course, I also gave it five stars. Nice.
1: Look at us agreeing
0: on a movie. Yay.
1: Goodness gracious. All right. Well, we do have another movie to talk about. We've gone way, way, way long. But... Uh, Joey's uh, favorite movie is coming up right after the break. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Next, we are chatting about one of Joey's favorite movies, Forgetting Sarah Marshall from director Nicholas Stoller and co-produced by Judd Apatow. Want to tee it up?
0: Alright, yeah. So the movie is... uh... The synopsis, courtesy of IMDb here, is uh, Peter, who's played by Jason Siegel. He takes a vacation to Hawaii um, in order to deal with the recent breakup with his TV star girlfriend, uh, the titular Sarah Marshall, played by Kristen Bell. Um, Little does he know, Sarah's traveling to the same resort as her ex, and she's bringing along her new rock star boyfriend, played by Russell Brand. Um... So that's the, uh, that's the synopsis. Um, so I don't know exactly why actually, no, I'm not even gonna lie. I know exactly why. So this movie, um, I love Kristen Bell. I love Veronica Mars. why I fell in love with Kristen Bell. I love that 70s show. I love Mila Kunis. I love How I Met Your Mother. Um, like three of my favorite TV shows of all time. So I have all three of these stars, um, in this movie. Um, and then, yeah, it's a, yes, it's a breakup rom-com movie, but it's also, like, you, like in, in our notes here, it's very raunchy. Um, it's like a raunchy rom-com, or maybe even, like, you want to say, like, a male rom-com. This would be the one that, you know, like, if a girl wants to get, like, her guy to watch a, a movie that has to deal with romance, this would be the one you could easily get them to watch, um, mm-hmm. because even though, yeah, it's got all the all that stuff in there has also just got a lot of just pretty raunchy stuff in it as well. Um, but when you have good actors, cause you mean, you've also got, you know, Bill Hader, Jack McBriar, uh, Paul Rudd's in it for crying out loud. And he's like one of the best comedic actors, like the last 20 years, Kristen Wiig, uh, Jonah Hill. Um, the movie's going to end up pretty good. I mean, Judd Apatow released at least a lot of movies, I mean, those ones produced by him, but he released a lot of movies that either he produced or, Directed in the like that time period that just were ridiculous for comedy movies, um, from super bad forty uh, year old virgin knocked up, um, all of those in that same kind of vein. So yep.
1: it's definitely a who's who of uh, sitcom actors, um, especially NBC. Um, you had mentioned Milo Kunis and that seventy show, Bill Hader's in it uh, from SNL. Uh, Jack from uh, Thirty Rock, Paul Rudd. I was looking for some TV shows, and and, and way back then, I guess the, his tie to a TV show would have been Reno Nine One One. Kristen Wiig from SNL. Uh, I think my favorite of the bunch would probably be Jonah Hill, um, just because I am more of a movie guy. He's more of a movie guy. Um, and then I didn't. I've seen a few episodes of Who's Met Your uh, How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> But um, I I do know that uh, Jason Siegel's character from that's a big Vikings fan, so that always piqued my interest.
0: Um, yeah, I wonder. Like now that I'm thinking about it, is like I wonder if if, uh, Siegel and Rudd from being here together and their interactions led them to make um, "I Love You, Man."
1: Um, I have to um, see when that came out. I did see that. That was it was very funny. Um,
0: Yeah, I think it was definitely after this, but maybe not too long. But, you know, that had another big, M- like a, a Rashida Jones, another NBC. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I mean, notice like the, the when they were talking about uh, Sarah Marshall's TV show was on NBC yeah. in the
1: movie. Um, yeah. And, so, yeah. Um, it's made by Universal, which Universal owns NBC. Um, they're talking about excess Hollywood in it. I'm not sure if that's, it's probably produced by Universal. It, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know that for certain. But, um, yeah, I mean, general, no one, uh, generally no you have sense. those connections, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. In rewatching back through the scenes, I got cracked up. <laughs> the first scene is Jason Siegel and he's looking in this mirror, and he's, like, flexing his pecs like, um, you know, some of the, the muscle-bound celebrities do these days, and he's just, like, very proud of himself that he's uh, flexing his pecs. But, unfortunately, news is, um, what's about to happen to him is not, uh, kind of definitely pops the balloon of his day
0: yeah he's just sitting around enjoying his day eating this i don't even want to call it a it's, it's like a mixing bowl um yeah of, of cereal and mm-hmm. um nice um and uh then he gets the call and you know he starts cleaning up his his very guide out apartment it's very bachelor style apartment because uh, his girlfriend's coming over and so he starts cleaning and he takes a shower and he And there's Sarah Marshall, and you know, it's like whoa, she's so hot. And then uh, (laughs) she comes up. Well, Peter, as you know, I love you. And it's like ooh, ooh, this is uh, mmm, this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) So she drops the hammer on him, and he's like, he's
1: butt ass naked.
0: Oh yeah, he drops his
1: dong hanging out.
0: Yeah, his dong is hanging out. out. He he. He's upset for a minute. He's like, no, I will not put some clothes on. If I put clothes on, it's over. <laughs> he's, he's like, wait a minute. It doesn't make any sense. But of course, it's not couch. making any sense. He's upset. His girlfriend of like five years is about to break up with him. And then it's like, um, he's like, let's talk. Who's the guy? And she's like, there is no guy. We've just been growing apart. And then she's like, he's like, hug me. And he's naked and she's clothed and... <laughs> he puts her in this very awkward embrace and then she's just like, there's someone else. I'm sorry. And just like bolts.
1: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of pathetic man cries in this.
0: Oh, Oh yeah. For, for sure. Um,
1: And I, uh, I was really noticing a lot of, a whole lot of more, not only of the stars in this movie, like TV culture, but I mean, he's sitting there like boohoo into project runway. Um, so I didn't necessarily connect to this movie in the aspect of, um, like all the TV culture. Cause I'm not really, really that into television. Um, there's that part where he's goofing around at the bar and he's pretending to be like Samantha from sex in the city. Um, you have the fact that Sarah Marshall, she is this actress on this CSI style crime show. And I literally cannot stand those kind of crime shows. Um, um
0: and it's very interesting that it's like making like, she's supposed to be on CSI and we're talking about everything in this show is very NBC centric and CBS, mm-hmm. uh, it, CSI was on CBS and it was like the biggest show of, of that time period oh, like
1: yes so, but, but then law yeah. and order came before that and that was an NBC deal
0: well I mean yeah and in and, and both law and order and CSI had you had CSI CSI New York CSI mm-hmm. Miami which they even kind of and then they had law and order and like all law and order SVU and there's this mm-hmm. scene like where uh, he's out trying to pick up chicks right after you know he broke up with her his brother-in-law or stepbrothers like oh he's being monotonous he works you know he does the music for crime scene and she's like scene of the scene of the crime or phoenix and it's like they're making fun of this ha ha i see what they did there oh. which you know you know it's one of those things now that you know wouldn't maybe necessarily resonate as much as you know it's like 12 years after the fact and you know CSI and CSI Miami don't really they're not really existing but you know at the time it was you know, a very popular thing. And if you remember that, it, you know, it's like, got you. Have
1: you ever seen a good luck Chuck?
0: Good luck Chuck. Yes. With Jessica Alba and, um, the, the, com- the comedy guy, Dane Cook, right?
1: Dane Cook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the sex montage and that one being a lot of pretty hilarious, but <laughs> man, Jason Siegel trying with all this breakup, um, sex is, is, is pretty, pretty <laughs> depressing. Would
0: you? you, Do do you want to gag me? You brought a. You brought a gag. Yeah. Do you want to gag me? Kind of now. Muy muy caliente. Uh, 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 I just came. (laughs) And then he goes to like the. He goes to like the. This show has it all, folks. (laughs) Yeah, the show. We're we're we're
1: we're everything. We're spanning the gamut.
0: Yeah. we, Um, We. Yeah. We spin the wheel, the, the wheel of movies and everything, are everywhere. You big, are you
1: a big cereal guy, Joey?
0: I do like cereal. Um, I would not be eating a bowl of cereal like that because, mm-hmm. one, that's a lot of cereal. Two, it would be soggy AF by you got time you got to the end of it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do like cereal, yes.
1: Okay. I typically have have rejected cereal in my life. But I, I do appreciate those little uh, plastic containers. And it's a pretty funny scene where he's it's like, my this this keeps my cereal fresh. I have this. <laughs> it reminds me of her. You he, have the freshest cereal.
0: <laughs> but I mean, like, I can get that, like, going through a breakup and something that's just mundane that's in your house mm-hmm. is like, uh, this was given to me by this person. And it reminds me of them. And it's just like, it's just some something mundane. So, like, I get that. But. You know, I, I I never, you know, made a fire in a pot on my kitchen burning shit before. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know. Oh,
1: yeah, I forgot about that scene. Yes. Yeah. It's a little ridiculous in this movie how they, they just keep running into each other, like, all the time.
0: Well, I mean, he, to be fair, he's like... You know his brothers like go on vacation, go to these places. He's like, I'll go to Hawaii. Sarah always mentioned this place in Hawaii, and his brothers like, don't no, go. No, don't there. go there. <laughs> He's like, well, I can't go to Hawaii because Sarah Marshall's heard of Hawaii, and like that logic makes sense. Maybe don't go to the resort that she's talking. She's talked about, yeah. but like you can't know that she's gonna be there with another person, even though she said there's someone else. You just can't know that she's going to be there, but you know like.
1: Do you think then, um? Did, did you think Jack McBriar having his his whole like sex issues was was funny?
0: <laughs> um, it's just it, it's I mean I I think it's kind of like this is like weird juxtaposition because like he's the exact opposite of Alice Snow's character, and then mm-hmm. then oh and Alice
1: to... yeah the, the the rock star is the one who gets him on the right path eventually right? Yes, and
0: like Alice Snow, he, he's portrayed. I me mean, honestly. Sarah Marshall is the bad guy. Aldous Snow is also kind of portrayed as a bad guy, but he's really not a bad guy. He. He he's not a good guy per se, but I don't think necessarily he's a bad guy. I mean, even in the end, like he's he's trying to like befriend, um, Peter, and you know he, he even you know shows you know he helps out, um, uh, Jack McPryer's character and stuff. Like he's just he is who he is, especially having you know now watched. Like, you know, when you watch the whole movie about the guy, um, it expands on his character some, but, um, he's just, he's just a partying, whoring rock star, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, hmm, they took Mick Jagger, you know, somebody, and like, let's put this guy in a movie kind of deal, yeah. um, maybe not about- Mick Jagger, but, you know, some whoring rock, British rock star kind of deal, um, but him Peter like like from the sexual competency point, you know, like you've got this guy who's like he's been he's religious and been a virgin and he has no mm-hmm. clue what's going on. And then you've got Peter who's been in this five year relationship and he's trying to recover and move on and, <laughs> and just he wants to he's good at being someone's boyfriend like he said and being in a relationship yeah. and he wants to, you know, continue that and you know he's not good at being in one night stands because he did that and he showed that and then you've got uh, Alus, who just he's gonna, as he said um, so eloquently later on in one of my favorite scenes, hey, once you lose yourself in something, um, elegant and I don't um, mean that as a conversation. I mean that lose yourself in fuck, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, okay, sure, I, I see you. you're just gonna stick it, <laughs> kind of thing.
1: Would you consider um, Mila Kunis as a, a manic, uh, a manic pixie dream girl? A what? You've never heard of a manic pixie dream girl?
0: A manic pixie dream girl. Yes,
1: this is a this is a trope in a lot of movies like um the you've seen um Scott Pilgrim, right?
0: Yes, I love Scott Pilgrim.
1: Yeah, so his the girlfriend the girl he's going after there, she's like this kind of like alternate this this kind of all Go ahead. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Yeah, she's kind of this alternative fun chick.
0: Okay, she well, she's definitely an alt girl with her different colored hair and liking alt music. Okay, is she supposed to be a manic pixie dream girl?
1: Yes, yes, she's she's a prime example. Um, there's other movies like uh, Garden State or um, Five Hundred Days of Summer where you have this like free spirited kind of girl. Um, who the main character falls for, which is known as a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Um, and Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, so, okay. Maybe the wrong conversation, since you're, made, you're a little new to the term. Um, so oh,
0: Okay, so if you're going to compare them to, to potentially based off of not alternative, but they're free-spirited... Like she's definitely free-spirited, yes, and she's definitely the antithesis in like every single way mm-hmm. to Sarah Marshall. Um, yeah,
1: I I think yeah, I, I think I actually I think I prefer Mila to um, of the two, I mean, very attractive with her big eyes, olive skin. In all the movies, she's like has this persona where she's like, you know, into guy things, but you know, she's also very attractive um, female. Um,
0: I mean that's probably partially because she spent like seven years being Jackie Burkhardt, being like the prissiest hmm. girly girl. Um if you've never watched that seventies show, like she's just like the bitchiest, prissiest
1: Okay played princess-y.
0: against princessy. Yeah. Had to go after so, playing
1: against um, character.
0: Yeah. But um so this manic pixie dream girl thing. Um. So a couple of those movies I haven't seen. A couple of them I have. So like if you want to compare her to her to the character Mary Elizabeth, Elizabeth Weinstead's character in Scott Pilgrim, or um. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like I. I I I can't really see her being similar to those characters, um, because both of those have more of an alt style, um, maybe personality-wise, and you know, like okay, they're they're kind of free spirited, but it, I think it's more of like she's living like in a vacation, her her whole time that she's been in Hawaii. Like I, I don't yeah I I don't, I don't know if that would be. The way I would put it, like Pixie, yeah, she's kind of small. I could see that in Dream Girl because she's one of my Dream Girls, yes. But I don't mm-hmm. really see in her as being manic. Um,
1: okay. Well, it, it's kind of it's just this 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 trope. Um, sorry I had to blindside you with it. Um, no, it's cool. um, <laughs> I thought it was, was kind of interesting. It was um, kind of odd. I looked at this whole like they ha- I looked at a um, an image on Google of this whole list of manic pixie dreams girls, and I had like. The girl from Breakfast at Tiffany's on there, and he even had Marla Singer on there, which I don't really consider in that category, but well, it's it's very wide in interpretation. Um, I definitely recommend you um, you kind of make your own. I, I'm, I'm the worst person to to kind of sum it up. I thought I kind of thought you'd come kind on, of you'd know what it was coming in.
0: Well, I mean, I did type very hard for it to.
1: Um... Oh, it's a yeah, it's a, it's a very popular trope for Sure,
0: like I okay. I see, I see Jess from New Girl in this picture.
1: I, I see, oh, for sure, because she's she's summer from 500 days of summer.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then that would okay. Well, that would probably explain it. I see a queen of Madala,
1: okay. Um, uh, that's the girl from, um, what's the, the movie Jersey something, um. Yeah, I forget what the Jersey um, kind of alternative spirit movie. Uh, oh, Garden State, um, which has been forever since I've seen it. But I'm kind of derailing us. But um,
0: yeah, uh, it's a to help their men without pursuing their own happiness, and such characters never grow up. Thus, their men never grow up. Okay. Okay, Natalie Portman's character in Garden State. Oh, here's a list. Oh, wait, that's a that's a big list. All right, so like you said, some examples, uh, Susan Vance bringing up baby, Roman Holiday, something like it hot, The Apartment, Breathless. They're just everywhere. Oh, yeah. Anne Hathaway in Love and Other Drugs, Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Yeah, there's a, okay, sure.
1: Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, to, I guess, to move on, um, the Inside of You song. Pretty hilarious,
0: yeah, that was uh, and the fact that you know, like, like Sarah Marshall's just like sitting there, like, oh my god, he's singing a song about me, like, oh my god,
1: um, <laughs> he's doing all these humping motions,
0: yeah. They actually, um, they made the, that was like the only other reference back to Sarah Marshall that they made in um, Get Into the Greek is like they play like they're playing like a clip of one of his songs or like a music video or something, and it's that's
1: that song okay paul rudd yeah he's pretty funny as the the super stoner surfer teacher who doesn't even remember jason siegel from time to time whenever uh, they come across um very very pretty hawaiian shots i mean this whole movie kind of felt like one of those adam sandler deals where he got like all his buds to come out to like paradise to shoot a movie with him um probably a lot funner than a lot of those a lot funnier than a lot of those movies But kind of what it reminds me of. And then, of course, the beloved uh, puppet puppet Dracula musical that um, uh, Peter is very into uh, producing, which, you know, uh, Mila Kunis' character, you know, really pushes him over the finish line in order to get that put together.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it serves as, like, again, showing that, like, all the ways that um, Rachel and Sarah are different um, because, you know, she's like, hey, you know, she gets him to play it at Lazy Joe's and then they show the flashback scene to where he's playing the song and Sarah's like, it's good, but I don't get it. Please don't play it for me anymore. And then even Aldus is like when they're out and, you know, they're surfing um, and he's like, Oh, I came across, you know, this one song on Sarah's iPod and it was really good. And it's like yeah. a dark Gothic, you know, Neil Diamond. And he's like, yeah, that's thanks man. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that's exactly you know. what I was going for. Yeah. So, um, and there's, there's just, you know, there's lots of things, um, you know, kind of sprinkled in there that you know, like, you know, Aldis, you know, does some things that you know, like I said, again, he's not a good person per se. But I don't think he's necessarily a bad person. He's just he's just
1: he is who he is. I mean, yeah, and no one's gonna apply, change him, which we see that later on.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he's been a rock star, and he, he's just gonna be who he is. You know, mm-hmm. like, and you know, like that Sarah, Sarah got so lost in it is, you know, uh, who she is, you know, she, you know, even, he's po- even pointed out, you know, like you, you think back to, you know, they're arguing and he's like, well, because I don't have Sarah, I wasn't wearing Sean, Ga Go- Sean, John sweatpants. And she's like, no, no, no. And it's like, no, that really is, you know, if she's trying to latch onto this notorious Lothario. Like, yeah, that probably really is a, There really is a thing with you, but, you know, you also see that Peter isn't perfect because, you know, she talks about how she tried to get him off the couch and she took love seminars and sex seminars and talked to a therapist and to her mom and, you know, all these different things that, you know, you can relate to having been, you know, into a relationship. Yeah, she cheated. She was the one having an affair and did things wrong.
1: But he was complacent
0: he was complacent and you know, he's like, I got this hot girlfriend. She's in a TV show where, you know, he, I mean, he was complacent, but he probably thought they were happy and probably wasn't, you know, taking things, but you know, he, he didn't apparently, you know, as they told you, there was, she apparently was giving him signals that he did not listen to. And instead of just leaving, she, she did something that was, you know, super bad. And, and that thus
1: we got the movie. What was your biggest laugh?
0: Um, biggest laugh is um only well, the biggest laugh but my my favorite scene is the, the 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 scene before them having dinner um I don't know that scene I was just probably because they talk shit about the movie The Pulse without ever calling it The Pulse about Kristen Bell's real movie The Pulse but as they talk about it it's like it's one of Sarah's movies huh. um so I always think that's um uh, which then leads into the wild sex competition um, but uh, yeah I, I always thought that was um, I don't know I that just that see that movie always that, that part of the movie always resonated probably because I also seen the pulse and the pulse was real bad.
1: Uh, <laughs> the one that got me the most um, was when the Hawaiian guy comes up and Jason Siegel's nicking on the bed and he's looking over at these tissues he's like, are those happy tissues or sad tissues? I'm like I know what those tissues are. You don't want to touch those tissues.
0: (laughs) Um, Or they're on the island and he's like, hey, man, I know this guy from from Brunch. And he's like, hey, man, remember me? He's like, oh, yeah, you're the cocktail guy. This ain't breakfast no more. Just
1: dex him. Oh, yeah. He's he's hooking him up with the rum drinks. And that's his big accomplishment is he, oh, he, you know, he had a good night with Mila Kunas. Now he doesn't have to drink alcohol in the morning. He's like,
0: uh, it's like you're one of those, you're one of you're like one of those girls from Flavor of Love, and she's like, what the fuck's Flavor of Love? And it's like, no one now even knows what Flavor of
1: Love is. I anymore. remember that show. <laughs> that was VH1, right? Yeah, VH1 with flavor reality Flav, show right?
0: trying to hook girls up with Flavor Flav. Oh my <laughs> god, it was um to quote a, to, to use a term from maybe not from that era, but shortly thereafter, that show was ratchet.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And then it's, it's kind of fun to see it all come around where like Sarah wants uh, the rock star to wear this, you know, kind of geeky um, um, Tommy Bahama shirt. And he just feels like super uncomfortable wearing it where like Peter would have done that. No problem. So then she kind of comes to see where, you know, she likes being able to control men. And, you know, that's definitely not what she has with this rock star boyfriend.
0: I mean, not necessarily maybe not controlling, but, you know having that guy who's willing to to use Rachel's word from earlier like dote um, because you know Peter's willing to make an ass out of himself and, and look silly and appreciate the gifts that Sarah would get him like that dumb hat or that dumb shirt or you know carrier purse and you know those different things so you definitely see the again the two differences like how they're so different because yeah, Mila Kunis' character is like, you know, she'll drink the beer, and she'll go and get it, and, you know, you don't have to dote on her as she as she put it in that one scene, and, you know, he would have to go to premieres with Sarah and then get told to get taken out of the picture, and, you know, all those different things, and, and then, of course, they look so very different, you know, while they're both, yes, they're both very attractive, um, you know, Sarah Marshall is, you know, blonde and blue eyes and, and very pale-skinned compared to Mila Kunis, um, you know, um who has her olive skin and her dark brown hair and, you know, her dark eyes. they're very different looking and they act very different in character. Um,
1: so. Um, and then you have like kind of the third act slump of the movie where Sarah Marshall, you know, she doesn't want, um, you know, the rock star boyfriend's going to leave and she's going to try to get back with Peter. And like, he's like, uh, I'm not feeling it. And, and then for some reason, he goes up to Mila Kunis's character, Rachel, and is just like, you know, this all happened. I just want to be so honest with you. And she's like, no, get out of here. So it's a um, little it's a little contrived in order to make it so they split up and so you have the big ending. Um, this is a um, minor complaint. I mean, that's what movies do.
0: But, like, okay. So, I mean, he's consoling her, obviously, because, you know, they, they haven't been broken up very long. So he still
1: cares about her. Absolutely. Um, he cares about her the whole time, really.
0: Yeah. But like, I, I, this was always, I thought was a, was a pretty scene or not pretty scene, funny scene, pretty funny. Um, cause if you've read my review, like this is like one of my quotes is from there is like, you know, she's trying, they're, they're trying to have sex and, um, is his member is not cooperating. And she's like, you want my mouth? And he's like, sure. And you know, she's trying to fillet him and it's not cooperating. And, uh, <laughs> She's like, what's wrong, Peter? And it's like, well, maybe it's because you broke my heart into a million pieces and my cock doesn't want to be near you. <laughs> and then he's like, you're the goddamn devil. And then, you know, and like some of the um, I think on my, I didn't do it on Blu-ray, but on my DVD, it actually, you know, it shows Sarah Marshall having like devil horns and like a devil tail because, you know, she's the devil. Um, you know, I always thought that was hilarious. And then, you know, of course, because he wants to be honest and because Mila Kunis said, you know, the reason she was out here is she came to be with a guy, and that guy hurt her by cheating on her. He goes and he does the honest thing, and he tells her, which, you know, of course, leads to the the end of the movie. Um, you know, they split. and Well, then he goes and he gets the, the flashing picture down, and he, you know, shows her that he is a noble guy because homeboy beats the hell out of him for taking the... Yeah the flash picture out of the collage,
1: but mm-hmm. yeah, cause all the people <laughs> in the resort love loving and yeah. Yeah. I had a good time. I, I actually got my wife to watch this with me and you know, we relaxed on the couch and took this one back in. We hadn't seen it since I first got it on Blu-ray um, solid edge, solid edgy romantic comedy. Um, yeah. We both enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it's hilarious. I really enjoy watching it. I think there's a lot of like inside stuff that I don't necessarily connect with, but otherwise, you know, I, I think it's a very solid watch. Great movie. I like it. Three and a half stars.
0: I mean, it three and a half is probably where it actually belongs, but because I love all of the stars in it and because I've just loved it for so long, I mean, 12 years ago. So, you know, I'm in like my early twenties when this comes out, um, yeah, a lot more of the the, the jokes and stuff resonate with me, but, you know, I still give it five just because it's one of my favorites. But it's probably really actually where you put it at. It's probably a more accurate scoring, but it was one of my all-time favorites. So
1: Okie dokie. So this has been quite the turbulent show. We've talked about our favorites in in depth and long detail, but um, it's time to move on. Bigger, better pastures in this show all right so joey what is our next um themed episode coming up for episode five right
0: yes our halfway through the season yeah we'll be halfway through our next theme will be a movie that was snubbed
1: okay yeah that was on my radar um awards consideration right
0: Yes, snubbed in an awards consideration in some form or fashion. I did leave it open to be uh, Oscars, um, Golden Globes. I even, Nobody
1: cares about the Golden Globes; it's the Oscars.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, and I, I also like, if you wanted to take it and if you wanted to pick a, an actor with snubbed for Best Actor from this movie, like, I, I would have let you go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the route I went, but if you went that route, I wouldn't have been wouldn't have been mad at you. So, um. All okay. right, so okay. who's gonna reveal first here?
1: Um. Yep, I got one movie up for here. I, um, I thought about two thousand one, a space odyssey that got major snubbed at the Oscars. Um, because I think Oliver won that year, but I, I'll keep my promise to you. I won't. I won't throw that at you before before your beloved uh two thousand and one um, movie count. Um,
0: appreciate that. If if you had, I wouldn't have been like super mad at you for it um i, I might have been more mad at you that it's like a hundred years long but i appreciate that friends
1: not too bad actually I, I saw it twice last year so i need some distance on that one okay so there was um are you familiar with what happened in the year i guess this would have been 2011
0: is 20 no because 2011 was not the year where that was like 2016 where someone read the wrong thing because that was law right. law,
1: right? Oh, right, right, yeah, not, not, not that. Okay, so in 2011 there was this movie that came out that pretty much defined an era, defined a culture, defined was an all-time amazing movie, and it was called The Social Network. And for some reason that did not win Best Picture because they wanted to give it to The King's Speech. What? We're going to talk about the Social Network, another David Fincher film.
0: Okay, so I'm down to watch David Fincher. I love David Fincher. Every time I watch a David Fincher movie, I love it and I'm blown away. So I'm down with that. Okay. Have you seen The Social so, Network? No, I have not.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Very nice.
0: Okay. Actually, both movies I haven't seen. Surprisingly enough, I picked a movie that I have not seen for this category. It was not. It's been it a long time movie. for me. It is not the reason that I picked this category. So I almost switched it with everything that's going on Do you in wanna, our world.
1: Give me a year first. See if I can I can sniff this one out.
0: Okay. Well, before I give you the year for what I picked, I'm gonna I almost the reason that I came up with this category was actually for a movie that wasn't snubbed. It was snubbed in the sense that it wasn't even nominated because you mm-hmm. know now they nominate like ten movies. Right. This movie wasn't even considered. I don't even think it would have won. But the fact that it wasn't even considered, and that's straight out of Compton. Um, okay. But I didn't. I didn't pick it. I started looking through some stuff, um, and the year. Um, it's also a pretty recent one in in consideration. It's from 2005. Okay. Um. And it lost to a movie that it's actually it lost to a movie that I saw in theaters, oddly enough. Um, which I haven't seen since then. And I remember thinking at the time was pretty good, but uh apparently is universally hated as a movie that won Best
1: Picture. Are we gonna talk about Crash?
0: Oh well, Crash is a movie that won.
1: Oh, are we gonna talk about um Brookback Mountain?
0: That is correct.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that um that's funny, because <laughs> that, that, that that brings back a controversial opinion I had. I was very happy when Crash won that. I thought that movie was very pivotal, very powerful. Uh, but a lot of people um, hate it.
0: Well, like I said, I saw it in the theater, and I remember enjoying it a lot. I thought it was very good. Now, I haven't seen it since then, so I, I don't know. Um,
1: <sighs> We've had an interesting run with um, LB... Uh, um, you know, gay films on this podcast. With um I mean, and,
0: and I think that, and I didn't do this intentionally, but I think mm-hmm. like it, it works out because this is Pride Month, and this is a movie that yeah, you know you. caught a lot of. I remember a lot of it being a big deal back when it came out. That you know mm-hmm. about the two gay cowboys, but I mean, my understanding is there's way more like heterosexual sex and female nudity in this movie than there is. Other stuff, but I mean, the is supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be really powerful. I mean, if you think about mm-hmm. the people who are in it, I mean, Jake Emily. Gyllenhaal and he, uh, Heath Ledger, Michelle Williams, um, Catwoman. Why am I forgetting Catwoman? Um, oh, lord Oh, Anne I Hathaway. Just, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just sitting there, just like I can't think of her name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, but yeah. Um. But yes, and. Hence, obviously, I went back to my my roots of connecting actors to movies. But I also oh, picked... there
1: you go with yeah, Heath Ledger. There you go. Huh. Yeah, it's so, all right. Yeah, I'm yeah very excited to revisit Brookbeck Mountain. I remember seeing it in an art house theater. Um, you said you haven't seen it.
0: No, so I've okay. not seen either one of these movies. Like I, with the exception of obviously a movie we disliked, um, a movie that is our favorite, and then um, the movie that I picked for for epic. Um, once we, that was become a thing. Like I've tried to pick stuff that I haven't seen.
1: Okay. Very nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I saw Brokeback Mountain. I I haven't seen it since the theater. Um, I saw it in a little teeny art house theater up in Charlotte and I remember thinking it was good, but I didn't really buy the love story in it. So I'm very curious to, uh, revisit that and shoot. I'll probably try to revisit crash before the next episode and have that comparison because i've wanted to write about that comparison for a long time especially Uh, since people bash crash
0: i mean honestly um i mean i think if there's time like if we could do you know if you wanted to do brookback and crash if you wanted to do four movies like i mean that's a lot but i mean i think that's i mean that would probably be pretty good to the conversation
1: um i guess it depends i mean you said the three movies. I'm not sure. It, so you'd want to get into King's Speech as well.
0: I mean, if you want, we don't have to. It's just a thought. I've never, I've never seen that movie either. But I mean, it's it's. We don't have to. It's just a thought.
1: Okay. Um. I mean. Yeah. It's... Well, stay tuned. We'll see what we decide. But yeah, I'm definitely interested in in comparing the two from that year. Um. I've seen King's Speech. It was. It's a good historical drama. But I think the social network really spoke to a whole era, uh, a really pivotal, um, life changing era. Um, yeah, so.
0: um I could see that. It didn't didn't Forrest also win best actor for that movie? Didn't it win like everything that year almost? Isn't that the one no for- no, I'm thinking Forrest? of The Last King of Scotland. Never mind. Oh and Forrest Whitaker. Of Go- um I yeah. think he,
1: I think Forrest Whitaker did win for The Last King of Scotland.
0: But I'm thinking of a completely different movie, so that's my fault. <laughs>
1: All right, yeah. okie dokie. All right, so you'll, <laughs> we're going to be definitely talking about somewhat of um, Oscar year um, 2026 and Oscar year 20, uh, 2011. Wow. Yeah. It's over a decade ago, but it seems like yesterday. Boy, Yeah, and there, were, and there were so
0: many, and we'll definitely talk about this more on the next episode, but there are so many ways we could have went um, in picks here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Blind Spotting came to mind because I think that was that was like my second favorite film of a few years ago and that it got absolutely no awards consideration. Um so yeah. This was gonna be Yeah, this was gonna be the next one I picked. So you uh that's cool that you you teed it up first. Um so yeah, it's been pretty fun seeing how this has played out so far. So thanks for sticking with us if you stuck <laughs> through all our conversation. We really talked about the times we're living in, um, you know, Fight Club, Sarah Marshall, and then where we're going. So, thanks so much, everyone, that's following the show. If you'd like to join the Movie Club Cast, please hit subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.
0: And if you'd like to answer us uh, to answer a question for you, just send it to the Average Joe's Movie Club Cast at gmail.com um, or you can go to our Facebook page, which is the Average Joe's Movie Club Cast. There's a button that'll let you just auto email us. Um, or you can comment there. You can go to either one of our, um, Um, you can comment on the YouTube page, um, underneath this video or any of the other videos, you know, we love to hear from you. Um, we love actually interacting with you guys and getting questions, um, and comments, um, for, for sure. Um, you know, we want some opinions outside of, um, our own add to the conversation and whatnot. Um, So, please, please uh, send us some questions. And then uh, on that note, so, Justin, why do we do this show?
1: Because we love talking about some movies. Good night, everybody. Good night.